Hello and welcome to episode four of Real Horror Show, our Christmas edition. And we're here with Connor Dowling. That was an amazing pause. And Mark Sheridan. <laughs> and we got him. We're a man down today. Man a woman down. down. Woman down. No, Ali, today. On the plus side, we all have our own mics. <laughs> Will we miss you, Ali? Dearly. We're very sad about Ali. Ali's been taken out of, out of action by the business. Yeah. Um, but she will be back, we hear. Yes. So, Christmas horrors. We put ourselves through <laughs> the torture of watching. There's two things I've noticed about Christmas horrors. Either the title has to have Silent Night in it, <laughs> yes. mostly. And it also has to be really bad. Would yeah. you concur? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I think, you know, for a good Christmas horror film, it it needs to hit two of these two things, right? It needs to be A, set at Christmas, yes. right? And B, be an actual good horror film. So, so. you're saying there's no Christmas <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that it was difficult to find many films that nailed both of those things, that criteria, that it's set at Christmas, you must see some sort of Santa or Christmas tree-like uh object mm. in the film and that it's actually a good horror movie i think yeah. that's pretty standard criteria for yeah. it right? but because like I, I don't know i'd seen a couple of these films we're going to discuss mm. today but we're we're kind of all into the whole horror genre so we're kind of aware but i know for most people i think most people think there are not really any christmas horror films like there is there a surprising amount really <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well you do have to go there's looking a, for them yeah there's yeah. a surprising yeah. amount of unknown terrible well not all terrible <laughs> but a lot of terrible <laughs> films out there that are christmas oriented but if you were to ask the general person on the street I don't think they could name any of these ones. Really. Yeah, yeah, you true. Know? Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I mean, because even with horror, horror is, it can be, there's a lot of popular horror stuff in general, mm. but then there's a lot of obscure horror. So, like, that's really good. So you can go rooting around IMDb mm. or Bloody Disgusting or wherever on the internet or an old video shop and find some really kick-ass horror movies mm. that are diamonds in the rough that, you know, that just didn't get their, their time in the day. You know, they've got a cool title, cool picture, and then the movie actually turns out to be pretty good. But then with the Christmas ones, you're digging up these uh, these little hidden gems and they turn out not to necessarily be gems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would, yeah. I, would I be right? It's almost that? like the Christmas kind of singles or the Christmas songs. There's, like, there's always been two CDs that come on the greatest Christmas songs of all time mm. and it's never really been expanded upon because the other ones just, they've never made other good ones. Like, yeah. There's a few of the films I think we're going to talk about today that are genuinely either good or interesting kind of films that were set at Christmas yeah. and then there are ones that were made to be to cash in on the Christmas yes. thing, and yeah, yeah. they are by far the worst, and they are the ones with Silent Night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always. <laughs> and you know, just for our listeners as well, it's not all bad. Like we did yeah. come across a couple of good ones. I oh, absolutely yeah. will come away from this podcast with a couple of titles to check out that would be really good. Maybe some to avoid, and maybe some to check out that'll be kind of guilty pleasures. Right? <laughs> we watched them, so you didn't have yeah. to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. So I mean, um, so what are so, so Silent Night? Silent Night was one I watched. Now, see, it, that's a remake. Should we start with the the original? Okay. So is Silent it, Night a remake? Technically, of, it is. Yeah, okay. It, it, of it, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. Okay. That's supposed to be. I haven't seen it yet, but that that is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about because I didn't watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay. But if you want to talk about it, I'll know if, if it was remade. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So. Silent Night, Deadly Night. I guess this was probably the first time I was introduced to like a straight-up horror Christmas film. I remember Ed King showing us in one of the private Harthon screenings in the IFI uh, years and years ago. 
and I hadn't seen it since. I really didn't like it then. Um, but it, I think it's on Netflix now. Um, okay. It's they've remastered and everything. It's amazing. These really not great films look quite incredible wow. these days. There's a lot of love and attention <laughs> put into these films because of Blu-ray releases and the like. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's a fun one, but not a particularly good one. I think that's probably a fair thing to say. Uh, so it starts off, and I think we're kind of going to get into spoilers in some of these films. But like honestly, folks. Yeah. If you haven't already seen it, you probably don't want to. Um, but so it starts off with poor little Billy, uh, a lovely little kid who's left alone with his dementia-suffering granddad who tells him that Santa's going to get him, which is always a good start. Then later on that night, he watches a drunken robber dressed as Santa murder his parents, uh, including like a very kind of sleazy ripping open his mother's top. And it, you know, oh, I have seen this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then good old Billy, all his luck kind of comes in and he gets dropped off at the very Catholic orphanage where they basically abuse him and raise him for years. Now, we're talking abuse, like mental abuse, not, not on the other side. And he leaves the world as an 18-year-old, slightly disturbed. And kind of like all these Santa horrors that we're going to talk about, they really focus in on that whole kids being obsessed with punishing naughty people, or yeah. ungodly people, shall we say. There's a very Christian tone to all these things, but I guess it's a Christian holiday. And basically, he works in a shop and uh, sees people not behaving the way he wants and flips the lid and goes on a killing spree involving where he goes after the nuns and the orphans at the end. <laughs> um, and he's dressed as Santa while doing this? Yeah, he eventually steals the Santa suit, I think about halfway through, and, and an icon is born. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and is, isn't there some famous still of him with a shotgun blowing a bunch of people away? I think I've seen... Yeah, I've seen he, do, yeah he gets a shotgun towards the end when he's going to the orphanage. I think the most famous thing about it, and the reason it's famous is the marketing actually is the original cover, which isn't part of the film, but it's <laughs> Santa's arm coming out of a chimney with a knife in it, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that. And that was considered very controversial because people were shocked at using a kind of a, a family Absolutely, occasion yeah, to turn yeah. toward. Now, of course, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but it's far from the first Santa Killer film, but it was the first that kind of hit the mainstream media and got that right. kind of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think Silent Night's remake of that, or it's certainly... Really? no. I mean, Silent Night is basically... I mean, it's so generic. 2012, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, police officer, and she's... Uh, you know what? I, I, I nearly can't remember. Like, <laughs> I, well, it's just like, I'm trying, like Malcolm McDowell is the other, he plays the other detective. They're investigating Santa Claus killings. But it's basically, the, I mean, the plot is just, you know, there's some backstory, you know, like an urban legend of Santa who killed people. But um, it was just totally boring. I have yeah. to say there was there was nothing I mean the actress wasn't bad but it's it's just sort of paint by numbers that's really what it felt like and and the other thing was none of the reactions with a lot of these in some of the other ones as well none of the reactions make any sense you know when somebody gets killed and Malcolm McDowell was like you know nobody will believe you know that thing where just nobody will believe somebody got killed by Santa Claus and they think she's crazy like yeah, why yeah. you yes, know what yeah. I mean and and yeah <laughs> clearly you're working too hard sweetheart it's like no there's a dead body right in front yeah, of us yeah, yeah. the audience can see it you can see it I can see it why don't you believe me yeah. but was it told from the point of view then of the detective like, so is it her trying to hunt him down or is it from the point of view of the killer yeah no there's no real like you were talking about where it shows the backstory of Santa and how he came about that it doesn't really go into that a lot other than they hit, there's an urban legend do you know what I mean mm where they're all going, oh, that's not true, you know, that's... I think there's an opening, there is an opening scene where someone gets killed by the Santa Claus, but it's mostly the detective going around. And know? is Santa Claus killing people with a certain MO of who's been naughty, who's been nice kind of thing, or...? Um, I did watch that film five days ago, <laughs> and I can't remember. What is there is a flashback where he's a flamethrower, like, okay, where, well, that's, where, that's where, that was good. No, I... I 
collective amnesia is something we actually just mentioned it before we started mm. recording the podcast. Some of these films are genuinely so either generic or trashy or poor. Or similar that actually, to each other. Yeah, well. that literally within a few hours of watching them, mm. like without taking notes, you, they just drift out of your mind. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, one of these things I think about what's interesting about these films, and it's the same way for a lot of, you know, exploitation films, B-movies, grindhouse films, that the trailer or the poster are almost better than the actual film yeah, itself. Absolutely. You, know, you have this movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You've got the cool voiceover guy saying it in the trailer. You've got the cool poster. It's a marketing thing. It's sensational. It makes you mm. want to see that movie. Oh, what a crazy sound of the movie. That'll be great on a grindhouse double bill, real late at night when everyone's drunk. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to sit at home to watch it, it's actually like a film that is trying to take itself seriously. That's like an yeah, hour and yeah. a half long. And most of the time, there's just one or two kind of set pieces in the film that it's built around, like a guy in a Santa suit exactly, doing yeah. some carnage. Most of them is just reliant on the guy in the Santa suit walking around. Yeah, <laughs> and the rest of the film is like a, just a really poor quality kind of B-movie, you know? Mm. That's what it is, I find, in yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of the cases. So, like, a, a question then, just on, on Silent Night, Deadly Night, like, how, how many sequels do you think that made? Like, a really poor film that didn't do very well. That not many people have heard of. Yes. <laughs> uh, Connor, I think I, you know the answer. I, Silent Night, Deadly I don't know. Three? Four? Four sequels or four films? Oh, four? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to guess, I'm going to say, it, there's, f well, because it sounds like there's a lot, I don't know how many there are, but I'm going to say there's, like, four there, there are five Silent Night, Deadly oh Night films. Okay, so right. I, 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 I like to... It must be making money. Well, this is the reality. And, you know, it's an interesting one to kind of touch on because it's kind of where I guess Hollywood's gone nowadays where it's, it's simply just relying on, on name recognition that, yeah, you could make a very inferior crappy sequel, but as long as, like, they're, they know they're going to make more money off Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 or they know they can make a certain amount of money yeah. off that than rather taking a chance on an unknown property that they're going to have to sell to an audience. And what year did these go up until? Like, when was the so, number five? Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 was 1984. Mm -hmm. Then 1987 came the second one. Then <laughs> it went to 1989, 1990, and 1991. Wow. For so there's five of them. Yeah, so they, they did blast them together. But I'll give you a very quick rundown of where they are, okay? Because I watched the second one, and after that realized that even in my bizarre obsession with horror films, I was not going to watch them. <laughs> so because <laughs> so, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, cause the, the killer Billy dies at the end of the first one, spoiler for everyone. And, and the, the nuns that who, who raised him terribly are seen as the victims and are left on to, to abuse more children. Wow. Um, happy days. But so Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is incredible in the fact that in the first 40 minutes, there's only five minutes of original footage. Wow. It is the same. Mm. They literally just show there's 35 minutes of the film. There's only five <laughs> minutes of original footage. Oh my God. They actually just, sh they go through the, they cut down the whole <laughs> film into 35 minutes. And it's because it's his brother remembering what happened. It's, I don't know if anyone's mm. seen The Hills of Eyes Part 2 that Wes Craven shamefully directed, but again, that's another one where more than half the film is cutaways to flashbacks. Right. Even the dog has a flashback in Hills of Eyes Part 2. The last film I remember something like that happening was in, in recent <coughs> years, because like, that used to happen a lot back, back then. But in recent years was The Underworld 2. Did anyone see the second Underworld film? I'm not mm -hmm. sure which ones I've seen. It was, I remember it being like, I remember because someone told me, hey, you got to watch Underworld 2, it's really good. So I was like, oh, well, I better watch the first one first. So watch the first one and then the second one. And the second one, it's like, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, exaggerate, but I think it's like 30% flashbacks to the first films. You yeah. almost don't need to watch the first film. But nowadays, you just wouldn't get away with that stuff. Like, well, yeah, Apparently, the director of the second one wanted to do an original story or like follow it on mm -hmm. completely. And the producers wanted the whole film to be made up virtually completely of footage from the first one. 
I don't know quite how they thought that would work. <laughs> it must be a money saving. Yeah, no, well, it must be. But like, so basically his brother eventually goes psycho. When it starts, the film starts up and uh, kills a few things, but it's quite poor. Now, some of these descriptions are going to make these films probably sound more interesting than they are, but we'll shoot through them quickly. So part three was Better Watch Out. Uh, starring Bill Mosley so I'm kind of curious to see yeah. that one where Ricky so the brother of the guy from the first film returns from a coma and stalks a blind teenager with psychic powers okay. oh, so wow. escalation yeah. Yeah, you know it took Friday 13 to get to part 7 before they brought in <laughs> psychic powers um, then we've got part 4 Initiation directed by Brian Usner okay yeah interesting yeah, so what again, else did he do Brian Usner he produced the Stuart Gordon films but also directed the sequels to the Reanimator films oh, Living and Dead Part 3 and he also wrote Honey I Shrunk the Kids oh there well he's go. got my vote um, <laughs> so that you know there's a curiosity but that, that's where uh, it drops the Santa theme entirely so it's basically a completely separate story and involves a reporter investigating a group of witches preparing a Christmas day ritual so why even have it as a sequel just to attract some of the audience from I the presume films? the producers could answer that for you <laughs> <laughs> and then part 5 in 1991 was The Toy Maker where the characters from part 4 return try and fight a killer toy maker who makes killer toys to kill children wow. and you're like well there you go and so that, that is the five and then plots they are yeah, they're they're like premises <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, I don't know they're, they're not so easy to get but could they be good this is the temptation of the films it's yes. like you, you kind of hear the plot and you yeah. go Maybe it's, just it, maybe, it. yeah. That's it. It's, <laughs> it's the poster, it's the trailer, it's even the plot, the logline for it. They're these killer loglines that just make you go, "Oh yeah, that sounds like a fun, fun movie night." And then you watch it, and the reality is, it's just, gosh darn terrible. <laughs> the, the blind girl with with psychic powers sounds kind of interesting, but I think Connor, would you agree? Oh, this is Connor McMahon. I'm talking mm. to. Sorry, we've got two Connors <laughs> here, so whoever I'm referring to, it's kind of tricky. Um, but like you were saying, could these be good? Do you not find that with even like a lot of, not every, but a lot of the horror films that we watch, even when we think they're quite poor, that t- genuinely tends to feel like there's an element there of something that that could have been fun or interesting or, you know. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, ev- I mean, I suppose even from in your own head, like talking about remakes or stuff like that, you can sometimes see how it would be more worth remaking a bad film you know rather than the better ones to get it right the second time yeah because sometimes they do have good plots or maybe they didn't have the right budget or it was cast badly or whatever so so i think that's the positive i mean not saying to remake them but um but if you are going to remake something remake one that that didn't work exactly but had a good idea behind it you know i totally agree i totally agree there's a couple of you know those older horror movies b movies and that mm. that have come across come come on my screen over the past few years and i've just been like actually you know that might make a pretty decent mm. since we're in the world of remakes you know what yeah. i mean if you're going to be remaking stuff why not stay away from you know poltergeist and yeah. shining and the exorcist mm. why not stay away from those classic ones that got it right the first time and revisit the ones yeah 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 yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah because I, I i you know i don't know if you guys are, but I, because of the world of remakes now there was always ones i watched you're kind of thinking oh I, you know i probably would be interested in giving that a go something like Pumpkinhead, i think and i know they are oh, actually yeah. remaking that at the moment and i'm kind of sad because like it just you know that's the kind of one where i quite like that film it's not a is perfect one with lance henrik yeah, yeah yeah where his kid gets yeah, killed and, you know film. there's an urban yeah. legend of they you know there's a curse put on them and Pumpkinhead comes back to you know reap revenge and you know it's it's gothic it's got some good visuals it's got a good concept it could probably be done better or you could do a different story with the same legend and that's the kind of film that actually is ripe for you know being brought into the modern day now unfortunately I have an awful feeling that whatever remakes they do nowadays those lower ones like Poltergeist Mm -hmm. and stuff gets money for a Mm -hmm. remake Mm -hmm. the lesser known franchises seem to be Uh let's just churn something out with the same name I wonder with like I suppose the success of Krampus last year I wonder will that reignite the the interest in the holiday horrors if you know what I mean well how successful was Krampus well that had like a pretty A-list cast in fairness it had Tony Collette 
had Adam Scott, uh, David Koechner. It had, I'm not sure of her name, but the, the girl, I think she was in um, the TV show Fargo. I think that's the same actress. I could be wrong. But you know what I mean? Like, already you're you're doing pretty well with that kind of cast. Uh, the director, um, he did, like, X-Men First Class. and yeah, Really? Yeah, I didn't he, realize uh, that. Yeah, he did that. And I don't know how much of a commercial success so it was. It was. It was, but was, it was yeah, great, yeah, it really huge, big. Huge cinema yeah. run, anyway. Huge yeah. cinema run. And personally, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I really absolutely thought it was brilliant. So... It's it's kind of on the bigger budget scale things. It, it's not as if you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Six or Seven yeah. is is, is mm. doing really well. It's it's something with and it's an unknown legend here as well. So it wasn't even like yeah. it was kind of yeah. leaning in on a known legend. But does it, do you want to give one of us want to give a like a synopsis? Yeah, I mean, what's story? weird about Krampus is I first heard of Krampus about a year before the film came out, and yeah. a lot of my friends were talking about it. But yeah. it, so maybe something just you know the way in the, the collective consciousness yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah it just starts coming around because it's weird i had never heard of it before yeah um and then yeah within a year that I, film had yeah I, I really hadn't heard about it before i think it was maybe it might have been in an episode of like american dad the tv show maybe they might have touched <laughs> on it i could be wrong but I, it, it's definitely not in pop culture or in you know urban myth in Ireland. Not over here, yeah. In the states, or apparently, it's I think it's originally from Germany. I mean, it is, it's yeah. It's Eastern so European, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, for anyone who hasn't seen Krampus that came out in 2015, it's about a family who all get together for Christmas, and um, the youngest child in the family, when he sees everybody fighting and arguing and not you know celebrating the spirit of Christmas properly. Um, he rips up his like letter Santa Claus and he kind of denounces Christmas and then slowly but surely they start being stalked by this like otherworldly demonic god who is basically Krampus who punishes people who aren't celebrating Christmas properly and it's full of like suspense good acting there's some comedy in there there's great practical effects there's yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. Christmas toy things come alive and attack them there's some amazing sequences in it and uh, it's just like a real thrill ride you know it's just a real like it's almost more of like an adventure movie than a straight up horror you know it has horror moments but it's just really exciting it's almost like a home alone kind of buzz to it you know where they're all defending themselves in the house against all yeah it is one of those films that does combine the comedy and the horror mm. uh, you know like there's enough horror to like i mean it it's quite gory in places yeah. where it goes yeah. to it's places you don't think it's yeah. going yeah. oh, to go totally, to. Totally. People die who yeah. you're not expecting yeah, to die. Stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I saw that, after I first saw that movie, I just felt so like on a buzz after yeah. watching it. I was like, this is the type of movie I want to be making. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just, it kind of hits all the marks, you know? And I actually... Uh, opted not to watch that for this podcast because I want to watch that a little bit closer to Christmas with my girlfriend. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, because it's this is going to be a movie that I'll watch at Christmas probably for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, it's done that for me. You know? I need to watch it again. Like, cause I, I, I really like I did enjoy Krampus when I saw it in the cinema. I don't know what it was about it. See, I might be misremembering the story. Um, but I remember, like, cause the fact that people are killed off and everything, I kind of presumed they were going to all be okay in the end, or some of them. It's it can, like the film kind of ends as if there's some sort of success, but the rest of them are all just dead. Like, so this little shitty kid who tore up his letter, like, yeah, he survived. Fucking ruined Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't know, like, what, what I loved about Krampus, it looked stunning. Yeah, like, yeah. visually, yeah, really did, yeah. the, some of the imagery, mm -hmm. it's right up yeah. there with, you know, rare exports we'll probably talk about in a little bit, mm -hmm. but any of those, like, just really, really look strong. And what I found odd about that, because those bits looked amazing and better than anything Tim Burton's done in a long time. And the demonic yeah. toys bit is oh, yeah. genuinely yeah, very gory great. and kind of too nasty for but kids. I think, end of it. But see, I do think that's how it got around it because the toys mm. are kind of quite 
I suppose Tim Burton cartoony looking like, the gingerbread man and stuff yeah and that's you kind of get away with it oh, was that the scene in the kitchen where they the, did well it? that yeah, was all yeah. kind of intercut wasn't there yeah. was the scene yeah, in the attic yeah. there was a scene in the kitchen but the toys in the attic are like when they open up there there's flesh and everything there yes. are but it's horrendous. like you kind of I think it, it's like gremlins I suppose because it's sort of they're kind of inherently funny or yeah. there's something silly about a toy yes you can do a death scene in a way that like I thought that was a clever device because probably if the actual Krampus creature came kid, in and just like or stabbed kid, yeah. a kid well dead, like it wouldn't we've seen have worked. in so many of these films <laughs> yeah. it's just a, a guy dressed up as, in a crappy Santa outfit you know cutting people up but in Krampus it's done in a really clever way and then one thing we're forgetting as well about this Krampus was the cast you know what I mean you have these great yeah. actors yeah. really selling it you know they're really selling this like terrifying situation so they're grounding the silliness of the <laughs> gingerbread men attacking them and they're grounding this the kind of uh, wackiness of the Christmas toys coming to life and attacking them in this like terrifying moment that you're the just sitting there watching going oh this is just chaos it's just absolute Christmas chaos like and I the one it. thing I thought that didn't sit totally with me in the film um, I just wonder what people think is do you know the way this, the, they have the German grandmother yes. who just happens <laughs> to be there and yeah. just happens to know the legend yeah that is just like, like if you were writing the script you'd go no I can't do yeah. that no <laughs> you know no. yeah I, I don't think I could uh, apologize or excuse <laughs> that one away yeah. well yeah like I mean the fact that you though know, I liked her like no, I liked her yeah yeah know. no one else in the family seemed to have like you know any German descent? Like yes. If it was, there. if it was like you know, okay, I get it. You know, her son or her daughter. I think maybe she was the son, Adam Scott's mother in the film. Yeah. There didn't really seem to be much of a German link there. It's just like no, they're just a bunch of Americans. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's Mima sitting in the corner. I agree. <laughs> like I didn't know what was that an attempt at some sort of a commentary though on the whole fact because she's the only one who actually knows what's happening. And it's our yeah. whole in our modern world, we're so caught up in our thing that we're ignoring these older people and these traditions and yeah. that we don't you know we're blind to the realities of them because we just presume it's nonsense or whatever like that. I, I do think there's something there but yeah it and it ties into the whole we've lost sight of what Christmas is really about yeah. you know and gone, gone for the more kind of commercialism and like fighting as opposed to spending time with your family and warding off demons yeah but you know actually and it's funny because like Krampus at least and uh, you know a few of the ones we're going to get onto at least have uh you have a protagonist who's a person who either makes a mistake or anything, but he kind of comes around good. I think what yeah. I found really downbeat about, say, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and a few of the other ones I watched, which are older ones, it's it's films that follow the killer. Yeah, yeah, and like exactly, they're just yeah. it's a backstory of them and everything. But it's really, and I know a lot of horror fans enjoy kind of that whole I want to learn more about this character and everything like that. But there's just something quite downbeat and depressing about just following a guy and sure they justify some of his reasons mm. but it's just mean spirited it is I kind yeah, of enjoy is. watching a film about someone triumphing in some way or like struggling and I don't care that I don't expect a perfect happy ending but you know and I'd say it's no mm. coincidence that this is all set around Christmas as well True. you know what I mean that you're like obviously these films are trying to challenge our our, our ideas about Christmas you know the tropes uh, or the Santa Claus who you love growing up as a kid he's actually this like scary killer and all oh, that should be great and all but it actually just, yeah, it just leaves a real feeling really downbeat. Yeah, I think it's it. like, because if you took the Christmas out of it, there's not that many horror films that do follow a killer anyway. Mm. And and so you Absolutely do get that true. feeling. Like, it's like Silence of the Lambs if Hannibal Lecter was your main guy. Like, yeah. without the Jodie Foster... It doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. She's our gateway into that. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's a very hard thing. Like, so you, I mean, films like Henry of a Portrait Serial Killer. I don't want to see him with a Santa Claus hat. On oh his my head. god, I'm no. so glad you mm. mentioned that. Okay, cause <laughs> roundup, folks. 
I want to talk about a film called Christmas Evil. Has anyone else at the table watched Christmas Evil? I is is Chris? Uh, give us the opening. It's that, also Anna. known as Don't Open Till Christmas. Is that? That's I why I had a hard time finding it. That's not. I had a hard okay. time finding it, and then I eventually found it's actually called Christmas Evil. I, at least I think I'm right on that. I'm, yeah. I could be wrong, but I tried to watch it, couldn't get through it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. You said you started. Yeah. Right. Is this yeah. the guy who works in the store in a toy shop? Yes. yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I found because my note is completely that this film is like someone trying to do Henry Portrait the Serial Killer with with someone over Christmas but it mm. doesn't work because it's a much poorer film but like because for anyone who's seen Henry obviously it's a very difficult film mm. I, I don't know whether I can even call it a good film but it, it, it the bleakness and the griminess of the film seems to suit the subject matter it has and substance something about it works it has yeah. substance to it like. and it's very raw and unapologetic but Christmas Evil I actually found the most depressing of all the ones like my top note is what a bummer of a movie <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote it down because I really just that's, like, what, you that's know, what it says on the DVD cover as well <laughs> yeah actually yeah, and it was also aka you better watch out aka terror in Thailand <laughs> <laughs> I do love those titles but no okay so it, it's this really weird kind of um I don't know, it deals with mental illness and the damage done on kids by the notion of, you know, uh, if you're good, you'll be rewarded in life and everything will turn right. out fine. Mm-hmm. And I get that's kind of what Christmas is about, but it, it feels like these films are genuine, genuinely made by damaged people who are really <laughs> hurt by those notions of Christmas. Mm-hmm. I just, there's something about them needing to show someone pushed to those limits yeah. and how it's totally twisted their logic. Because this guy, like when he's a kid, he sees his dad dressed up as Santa. I don't know if he realizes his dad groping his mother at the Christmas yeah. tree and yeah. having a go at her. I saw that part. Um, and then, like, as he's grown up, he's working in a toy shop, but everyone is using and taking advantage of him, and, like, they're all going down to the pub, and he's having to work extra shifts. And his brother doesn't want anything to do with him because he finds him a bit odd. And it's about this isolated man who still believes that in Christmas the good will be rewarded and everything, and he wants to reward the local <laughs> good kids and punish the bad kids. And it's it's basically his downfall. He keeps a list of what, who's naughty or nice, but you see this as a genuine real person. There's nothing mystical about him or anything. And it's not even like he's a serial killer. He's he's someone who's suffering from mental illness. He he breaks into the toy shop and steals toys to try and give to the orphanage mm. or to a, a children's hospital. And even the, the security guards and stuff just think he's a weirdo and why would you do that? Mm. And that the weird reality is we would think that too if some stranger turns up with toys. But he meant it in a good way. And it, yeah. it's, it's all about how his efforts to try and fulfill what he thinks his goodness goes wrong and eventually he snapped he, very little killing in the film really very mm. later on he kills about three people outside a church with an axe and it gets to a point where there's literally a torch mo- a lynch mob with torches <laughs> running through the town oh, after him he comes to his brother for help his brother realises he's you know this evil person and turns on him too and the guy drives off in his van and smashes through a railing on a bridge and is so delusional that the van flies off like Santa's sleigh <laughs> as a voiceover of the night before Christmas kicks in and this whole like happy music yeah. as if it's ended because supposedly he's had a complete mental break and uh, you know he's he's actually dead but it's just why did I watch that and what <laughs> the fuck are you it's, trying to tell me definitely like, not getting you into the Christmas spirit you like we're watching it or talking it's just it. really sad because n- there's nothing about this guy that makes us believe that he's just a really nasty or bad person yeah it's just a damaged person and there's a kind of a nastiness of just relishing the fact that mm. he's mentally ill. To be honest, it sounds more like a tragedy than a horror. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, 100%. 100%. Mm. Well, that's how I felt it was. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure some people watch it and have a laugh. I know John Waters is a big champion of it. I think that's the only okay. reason people have even heard really? of it as a trash classic, yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I would find it very hard that anyone would laugh and giggle at this. No. Now, I know we live in a different age now where we've kind of a different approach and appreciation for mental health, but this isn't a bad person per se it's a very deluded, lonely person. Yeah, and I just yeah. don't take much pleasure watching them fall apart to the point of murder. <laughs> Jesus. You know? <laughs> it, sa- it sounds like, you know, you could put a different lens on it 
uh, like a, a lens of like drama, and it w- it could be a potentially pretty powerful film. You know, like yeah, possibly with better production values, better acting, and you know, presented differently. But if it's presented as this, oh, check out this nasty horror film. Yeah, it's actually yeah. about this like I want to nominate sad L- character Lenny Abrahamson. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to remake Lenny, if you're listening, <laughs> Christmas Evil. Okay, I you're think the man there the is an absolutely heartbreaking tragedy there. <laughs> And you know how to do it. Film Ireland, make this happen. <laughs> this one gets the Oscar. <laughs> um, Connor, anything else you'd like to throw in? Um, what else did I watch? Um, I mean, I'm holding off coming to Elves. <laughs> I'm holding off coming elves to Elves. Elves will be worth waiting for. Uh, rare Exports. <laughs> yeah, rare let's exports. talk about Rare Exports. Okay, so I hadn't <clears throat> seen this before. I really liked the, the first, first half. half. Yes! Yes. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Give people the basic story of it. God, the basic story. What, what 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 country are we in? Denmark. Denmark. Is it not, is it not Lapland? But it's it's it's, it's a Danish film. But okay. yeah, I did wonder about that. But I, it is a Danish film. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I thought um, they were in Finland. But anyway. Well, so it's basically about uh, this family that um, every year, I suppose, they do this herding up of the reindeer. But there's um, some people have moved in and they're excavating the mountain. And uh, when the family come to the the point where they're looking for the reindeer, they're all slaughtered. And the kids have been, they've been cutting through the wire fence and going up to the, the mountain. And the kids, there's two two kids, it kind of starts off with them. It's kind of told from the point of view of the two kids. And, um, you know, they think they're to blame. And uh, so so that's that's the setup of the story. So basically the idea is they found Santa Claus the in the excavation. Buried, yeah. yeah. The actual Santa Claus. Um, yeah, I thought it was really strong at the start with the kids and the dynamic to him and the parents. And I really felt for the dad who... Yeah, like, it's a single you know, dad, basically. Single dad, yeah, yeah, who'd, who'd lost the mother. And um, the, I'll get into the problems of it a bit later, but... And I liked when they, you know, they find this Santa Claus and they have him tied up. And he was really creepy, the Very, guy. Yeah, they yeah. had to play that. Perfect. Yeah, he was so good. Um, and it takes its time with those parts which is really nice because that's the weird thing of these two it's such a film of two halves because that first half really takes its time to build up and even introduce because that Santa Claus guy is found caught in a little trap and brought into an abattoir basically that your man has in the back shed but that there's about 15 minutes where they kind of go out and And come back and everything the film it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long Yeah, I remember I was was kind of you know probably past like the first actor halfway through the film even and I was kind of going lads this film's only an hour and 20 minutes long like they want to kind of get going though like right yeah i think my big problem with the film was yeah it didn't deliver on my expectations of what i thought i was watching like um you know i was expecting more i suppose deaths not that it would have to have that but that's what i was expecting and i kind of went into fantasy and it sort of it had that problem for me where i didn't really know what certificate of a film I was watching. Like, yeah. I didn't know if it was going to go 18s. And then when it kind of got into fantasy, it actually, it did that thing, you know, like with Indiana Jones, when he goes into the fridge and he gets yeah. exploded and it breaks its own rules to some degree. Yeah. I'm talking about with the kid hanging with the off helicopter, the helicopter. Yeah. And what I mean yeah. is it's just not possible. Like, it's it set up this very realistic, grounded yes. world. And then it went into a world which is kind of like a children's fantasy film or it something. It switches and tones quite yeah. dramatically. Yeah. yeah, it's a 15s film, so it's that weird thing. It's kind of in between yeah, it being yeah. an 18s thing and a PG, but 15s should have still been fine, but you're right. It seems to uh, jettison all that kind of tension yeah. and creepiness it built up to 
uh, up to the point of revealing a gigantic frozen Santa with huge devil horns, which we never actually which get to see. Which they didn't fucking talk out. Yeah. It's like... I know Ali, who couldn't be here today, also said that was one of her, her big... But she issues. said she, she was also she a big loves fan of it. Film, yeah, yeah, she does love mm. the film. But yeah, it's a weird thing because it's set up as they're like, literally, it must be, I don't know, 40 or 50 feet high, giant yeah. block of ice with these huge, big, terrifying horns sticking out of it. And you just kind of think, holy crap, what's in there? Yeah, yeah. And they literally just blow it up. You never get to see and it just seems like such a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know you know what I loved about the film that I thought was perfectly uh, tonally for Christmas horror? Yeah. The music. I thought the music was It looks beautiful. It sounds great. Yeah. But the music, it just had this like, you know, um, spooky but magical kind of quality. So mm. you're in this kind of like almost fantastical but adventure and horror Christmas kind of yeah, mode. Yeah. And I was like, from in the first few minutes of the film, I was like, oh, "This is I, I don't know how I'd never heard about this film before. This is going to be really good." But I just kind of felt overall, I felt like there was a better film in there. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I, mean? yeah. I feel like with the concept they had, even with the production values, with the casting, with everything they had in it, I felt that in some version of the script or some version of the edit, even there was a more satisfying film. Yeah, like I it. loved, I loved the idea that the kid kept spotting these traces of Santa Claus, like yeah. the footsteps on the roof. And you knew by the bare feet that yeah. it was uh, Santa Claus, because apparently he goes barefoot. No, but there's a whole bit where he's going through all the books, reading the real legend, and that I think for us is an mm. interesting idea of like, yeah. well, we all think we know the legend of Santa, but there's yeah. actually much more to it. And yeah, grounding yeah. him into some form of reality was interesting. Yeah. And, and even in that part of the world, the myth, the mythology around Santa Claus and Christmas is so much richer than it is in the yeah, rest of the yeah, world yeah. where it's much more commercialized. I think even in the film, they do say something at some stage about how this isn't the Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, no, the dad announces this is not the the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. (laughs) But over there, there's a much more kind of traditional, almost mythological kind of uh, experience Mm. of Santa Claus. The other thing I didn't really like is, uh, weirdly, the film kind of left a bad taste in my mouth at the end. Like, I didn't actually, I kind of felt sorry for those elves at the end. (laughs) And I kind of didn't like the idea that they were exploiting the elves to make money. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a weird thing. It's like, so basically it turns out this, what looks like Santa Claus he thought was caught at the beginning is actually one of the elves. Mm -hmm. And there's literally like a herd of naked old men. There was far too much naked (laughs) old men (laughs) shots. There was also no women in the film Which are quite scary. That's an interesting point. Yeah. At least I'm pretty Pretty sure that's the case. There could be no, one no. You, I think, I think, going, no, I wasn't there. I think you're dead right, actually. No, I'm pretty sure there was um, yeah. But yeah, so like that, who were actually just living out in the wild of mm. well, because I, I do think it is kind of set in Apple. Okay. I don't know why I looked it up and thought it was made in Denmark, but um, the yeah, there's something kind of interesting and quite shocking by those images of these naked men because like even they come to kind of protect Santa and yeah, they're. Yeah. Like they can be lured away with gingerbreads and stuff, which is <laughs> kind of a, a nice touch. And again, that's all done quite realistically. And there's a quite you know. Uh, visually striking images of a herd of naked old men being mm. led through the ju- the uh, forest yeah, to be yeah. captured. Like I didn't like the scene on the helicopter, but the image of the men running through mm. in the snow yeah, like definitely. quite impressive. But you're right because it ends on a coda that is, if anyone's seen the short film, it's based on what the whole short was. And the short's actually a much much better, I think, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But so yeah, the whole point it ends up is they round up all these elf people. And they bring them into a factory and they train them to be Santa Claus. It kind of, I presume yeah. the implication is mall Santas. I'm not sure. I guess so, And it's yeah. kind of a funny joke because, <laughs> you know, at first these are savage men and they're, they're giving these dolls to pretend they're children and they're biting them in the face and everything like that and <laughs> oh, being yeah. punished and hosed down until they behave. Yeah. But oh, yeah. there is a nice sequence that kind of pan, it does like kind of a lateral track a lot yeah. as they progress. But it was kind of that it had, you know, normally when you see that scene, you feel sorry for the people being sort of... 
yeah. subjected yeah. to the torture of being. It quite this happily, was the happy ending. Yeah, 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 it wraps up in them literally being bolted into a box and being <laughs> sold to profit the main people. And there is something out of it because like the elves have done nothing. Yeah, I know yeah. it sounds like a fucking soft thing, but they've done nothing wrong. Well, it's probably <laughs> it's probably an interesting comment on kind of what we've done to uh, the mm. the magic of Christmas, how we've turned it into a commodity. Commodified, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, from that point of view, because it's weird, you always think that the main characters is the director's point of view. And that but they're the moral compass of yeah, the, yeah. the film and the world, essentially. But in reality, they're they're uh, more close to what's really happening. And the kid's on board with this as well. It's not like he's no, going, every, yeah, there's something like, wrong here. Everyone's <laughs> fine with it. Like It's yeah. weird, okay, because actually, yeah, my problem with the film is that it has sort of this emotional climax of sort of success and the father and son have bonded and everything, but it just hasn't earned it. It sets up a very nice situation where like the father doesn't think his son is tough enough or everything the kid doesn't feel. Yeah. like It's all lovely, uh, and the ending that when it comes together, in theory, is fine, but you just don't feel it. But yeah, that, the whole point of watching that end piece, I'd encourage everyone to look up the original Rare Exports short. It's only seven and a half minutes. It was 2003. You'll find it on YouTube and Vimeo. Um, and there was another one they did in 2005. But it is, it's done almost like a nature documentary or a Carlsberg ad. <laughs> I know they don't sound like they're the same thing, but they are. So it's kind of this you know, <laughs> professional voiceover artist talking about, you know, at this time of year, there are very special men who go out and hunt the greatest catch. And it's this all very serious thing where they go out with their sniper rifles and he explains mm-hmm. there's a, of te- th- a team of three and you've got a watcher and a sniper person and how it works and you don't even know what they're hunting. And he just it's telling how dangerous these 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 people are, this, what they're hunting is, and you you know if you make a single mistake you'll be killed. And eventually it's revealed that it's wild Santas. There's no mention of elves, like they are just kind okay. of Santas in it. And they they've like they're shooting them with darts and everything to stun them to try and get them down. And then the rest is just the training process. It's kind of that last sequence. Okay. And then they're put in the box and they're sent off. But it's done like a big branded message for Rare Exports, the company, as if it's a real ad on TV. Like we we in our company are proud of the right, effort okay, we put in to yeah. create a That's great clever. product. And it was yeah. And it is weird because when you watch the film, it's no longer amusing that way because you're kind of yeah, going, yeah. this just They've seems kind of just mean. stretched that concept out over still only an hour and 20 minutes. Like, I you, can know, presume- you know, when you see an hour and 20 minutes on a film, you yeah. can kind of get a little bit you know, what did they not get or did they not have enough in their original story? And see, story? the short got, like, I think millions and millions of views online. Okay. It was one of those things that did well, but I get the impression that someone said, you know what, like, we could give you one or two million to make this film, but yeah. you're going to have to make it broader. Yeah. You're going to have to be able to do this to hit certain demographics and everything like that, and you're going to have to change the story. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe it's what they always wanted to do, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it lost that edge. It lost that interesting thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine, but when you watch that original one, you kind of think, I'd love to have seen a whole film of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. just the training process process and everything it just it, yeah yeah you know. exactly yeah um, but yeah so, so that's rare exports <laughs> but ali's a huge fan let let's let's say so that clearly. so rare exports just to finish on that um like i mean obviously there's some films that we've seen that we'd probably tell people don't bother watching that mm. would you recommend it for people to watch for themselves see what they think yeah i, d- yeah. I do think it's a good i mean certainly it's above a lot of the other stuff Absolutely. we watched. Yeah. Like, it's Absolutely. a proper film. Along with Krampus, like, mm-hmm. it's a nice kind yeah. of blend of that fantasy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I think you'll enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just maybe don't watch that last cut. But see, the last <laughs> bit's good, though. It's just, it, it is mean when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> okay, why don't we blast through one or two of the less good ones before we get on to the sure, ones yeah. that we want to talk about? Jack um, Frost. Jack Frost, <laughs> yeah. Jack Connor, Frost. would you like to set that well, up? Well, l- let me just say, with Jack Frost, I think the interesting thing for i think the interesting thing for so many people with jack frost is when well for me anyway when i was a kid the michael keaton movie came out jack yeah. frost and it was this really touching was that first christmas movie i don't know actually because uh, this one was 1997 but yeah I'm, i think it was after this one but i'm not okay. sure okay well well 
either way, right? Whichever one came first, the Michael Keaton one was out. It was in the cinema. It was in the video shop. It was popular. It was a very heartwarming Christmas movie, right? It was quite sad actually as well, but it was really good. But is then, it like a dead? Is his da- dead dad I comes back in the snowman? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, and like you know, as winter comes, he starts. As winter ends, he starts to melt. So kind of like the snowman, dad. but yeah, but just heartbreaking. Absolutely, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it's Michael Keaton, so there's going to be some heartstrings being pulled in there. But then I remember in the video shop just seeing this Jack Frost killer snowman thing cheap as like, shit cover like, like, or, but I think it was called Jack Frost 2 or well, something no, there like that. is sorry Jack Frost 2 Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman okay. uh, which I have not seen but I, presume that, I used to always see that in the video shop it was a dog or something was a snow sounds, dog I want to see that movie if only Honor, it was good these films exist because of people like you <laughs> absolutely yeah. someone says I want to see that movie and then it gets made but I remember it always just being so confused and being like why is the sequel to Jack Frost the Michael Keaton movie why is that a big crazy slash movie <laughs> Ali was saying the same thing the other week when we were coming up with the idea for this episode and um so finally put it on uh the past week and like i mean it's just a really 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 not very good film like what did you, have you guys seen I, I haven't seen jack frost is it a killer snowman going yeah, around basically it's like yeah. a cop who caught a killer um and the killer was being on his way to death row and your man was gonna be able to put it all behind him and somehow the van crashes into a chemical another van full of chemicals mm. that dissolves him but there are secret chemicals from a secret agency that turn him into a spirit that can occupy the snowman and then the snowman goes back to the town and starts killing the people again how does he move around he's it's like a polystyrene fucking snowman like okay. it is it's you know I call it it's a knowingly shit film which kind of bugs me so it's yeah. not like it's it's trying its best and it's just poor yeah, and that's yeah. fun it knows it's crap and it kind of is leaning too much on yeah, people's yeah. enjoyment of that like there are you know I kind there of are moments I had a hard time sticking with it you know what I mean I didn't I couldn't finish the film but there were moments that I kind of looked at it and I saw some interesting kind of yeah camera stuff going on there's there's this interesting shot where there's like two cops standing in the background and in the foreground there's like someone dead in a rocking chair you know kind of moving yeah, yeah. yeah i've seen a couple of cool moments like frames like that but like they don't make up for like the rest of the film yeah. it's just really badly acted really bad production values and you know if you really wanted to watch something because it's so bad it's good then you know there are better shit films yeah. out there for you <laughs> to true, watch yeah. yeah like I think the only thing I could find a note in it is it's Shannon Elizabeth's first starring role so she was Nadia in American Pie the oh, one that yeah. got away yeah, yeah. And also starred in the very underrated, in my opinion, uh, 13 Ghosts remake. Oh, yeah. Which I quite liked. Also, Um, uh, speaking for Ali, I'm pretty sure she's a huge fan of that movie as well. Oh, yeah. That sounds like something she'd quite like. I don't know. Well, she loved the House of Haunted remake, so let's presume. Ali, (laughs) write in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, is that enough on Jack Frost? Can we move on? I think so, yeah. (laughs) Speed speed round out of Jack Frost. No, I'd say not. Wouldn't recommend Um, When are we going to get to Elves? Okay, let me just blast through two more and let's <laughs> okay. get, we get on to Elves and Black Christmas because I think they're the two we really yeah, want to talk yeah. about. Um, so another just Santa Killers. Let's just get through them. Um, to All a Good Night, David Hess's directorial debut. You know David, David Hess? He was the killer in Last House on the Left. Oh, um, yeah. In the original. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, again, yeah, a very yeah, nasty yeah. film. But yeah, he made one film and it was a Christmas killer film. Wow. Okay. Now, one film, David yeah. Hess, I looked him up. Do you know this guy wrote songs for Elvis in the 1950s? No. Wow. He was a musician. Who, and that's because he wrote the soundtrack for Last House. And that was his first acting film. Oh, wow. Where sure. he was giving it a go. Which Elvis songs did you write? I'm big Elvis. Uh, no, I looked them up and they were in ones I'd never heard of. But you might have. I might have but probably yeah, yeah, you know, Because Elvis did have quite a few records. I yeah, think yeah. they weren't all, yeah. You know. This isn't Elves. This is Elvis. No, Elvis, <laughs> the king himself. Um, he wrote the soundtrack for Elves. Actually, we must talk about Bubba Hotep someday as well. But, oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so to all a good night, uh, like awful. 
Uh, okay. Made in 1980. And I don't know why I still get hopeful at yeah, the start like, of everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, do all the good night. Sounds good. Yeah. But yeah. again, it, it's that bizarre thing of it's leaning on, like, you know, wh- what Christmas line hasn't been used? Because Silent Night yeah. has been used. So it's like, yeah, Absolutely. well, Merry Christmas to all, to all a good night. <laughs> That'll be good. came one. out of left field with that <laughs> one, guys. But you know what's weird? Because like, it's not a good film. It's kind of mocked because I think the VHS version that came out, it was so badly transferred and it was so badly shot the first time that some scenes are too dark to really even know what's happening. <laughs> but something worth noting is it was made in January, or released in January 1980. So it's actually the first Killer Santa wow, film. Wow, okay, yeah. okay. Okay, so in a way, the guy was ahead of the curve on something that would go on to do all the other ones. But so mm. he was the first person out there with it. Only film he ever made. Only film he ever made. Wow. Um, if you watch it, not that surprisingly. But then, you know, like, <laughs> it, how is he still it's probably working? been a bit harsh <laughs> as well because we all know how hard it is to make a film in of the first course, place, you yeah, know. But yeah. so there was that. Um, and yeah, because Christmas Evil came out in November 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, then yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night was 1984. So it was yeah. a good bit before all those ones. But another thing was, because uh, it's, it's about a bunch of girls who are staying in the kind of sorority house, whatever like that. Everyone else is gone, except for the den mother who stays with them. And the bunch of boys who come in to sh- join the party who fly in their private plane. I mean, like, it's <laughs> such a bizarre, like, the acting's so terrible in this. There's, a, there's fun to be had with that kind of terribleness. But it also, because that came out in January 1980, um, and it's the first film that I've ever seen that, spoiler, uh, it turns out at the end that the killer is actually a distressed mum because her kid was killed by negligent people who worked in the same place. It came out nine months, I think, was it? Or five months before Friday the 13th. Wow. Okay. And it basically has the same twist and story. So again, not done mm-hmm. as well, not as famous, but he was the first Killer Santa film and he was the first one to have it where wow. it's someone there who we'd met who seemed like a lovely person, turned out her kid had been killed right. and she's getting revenge on them. Bro, so, you know... the curve. Yeah, oh, there, there was... That's the kind of sad thing though where you see where someone actually had the right concepts yeah. but not the yeah, ability yeah. to deliver it yeah, absolutely yeah. and know? then you have to wonder did the future filmmaker see this and go oh that's a great idea I can build on that you would I wonder because there's also but then you can't like, I presume Friday's rating wasn't turned around in five months it turned around pretty quickly yeah. but yeah, yeah. You, you do wonder because uh, who knows how long these films were sitting around before they were released as well yeah, yeah. Uh, and how does that come about that you have this actor who's had a very kind of limited acting career and then he's like, I'm going to make a film. It's going to be a killer Santa movie. Like, how does that even come about? <laughs> I don't know. Does idea. someone have a script and they go, we need someone directed. No, one, no one's going to touch this yeah. thing. It's a fucking killer Santa movie. It's never been done. And he's like, well, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Or is he a guy whose burning wish is for his whole life? <laughs> I have to make this killer Santa movie. And everyone needs to know the truth about Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 like, he's actually scared. Like, what is what, Well, what, I, I, I guess after about? like doing a lead role in like Last House and then he was in the Ruggiero Diodato and was it The House on the Edge of the Park? That's a uh, nasty okay. again. Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah, a yeah. sort of an Italian oh, remake that's of Last not House. House on the End of Dead End Street. No, no. it's not that one. No, this is a very kind of sleazy one. There was a debate about, you know, what age one of the girls was in the film and everything but it kind of in the last house very much a kind of a cheap Italian remake but after making two of the most hated considered vile kind of films I'm going to make a film where Santa's a killer like <laughs> you're not endearing yourself to people <laughs> um, but yeah you know so that, that's one to watch and then the only other one I wanted to mention which I found as a nice kind of surprise was Silent Night Bloody Night yeah like I have to say I'll just I have only watched the first 10 minutes of that film okay so I, I won't talk too much about it I, but you can talk away but I love the intro you didn't you say, thank you okay because I don't did you find this on YouTube like I might have found yeah. it because it's a VHS rip yeah and it's a yeah, very yeah. bad rip but though, it's it well is. I don't know is it or not because yeah, for me there was a huge I rushed with nostalgia of this muddy kind of <laughs> yeah. like rusty colours I had that exact same feeling and it's, it's I loved it that's the thing of some of these old movies um, what did I watch uh, let's scare Jessica to death. This mm. is a different film, but it had that same where it felt like it was shot on sixteen millimeter or something, yeah. Yeah. Um, and with no lights yeah. or whatever. But 
the because like uh, it made me want to watch the rest of Sunlight Blade, but basically it's, it starts with a house and this guy comes running out on fire, completely engulfed in flames. Yeah, oh. and, and it's a, a still shot though, kind of. I think yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You just see him like I think it's from inside the house, and you see him run through the door and out into the snow and collapse. And it and really it, looks like he's on fire, like it holds <laughs> on that yeah, shot yeah. for longer. Because sometimes I laugh as well. Or, it's a totally <laughs> off the point, but whenever they light someone on fire, they usually go like you can usually see that they can be a completely different person than yeah. their character. So like yeah, when he's Jason, put on two hundred pounds, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when Jason gets lit on fire, it's like that's not him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but there's a really nice shot as well where it's like inside the house then, and off in the distance you can see him uh, being burnt yeah. alive, and I think that's when the title comes up on screen. But um, but having just watched five minutes of it, it intrigued me enough to watch the rest it, of it. It's also known as Night of the Dark Full Moon, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. So I had a hard time locating it. I eventually found a copy of it online, but I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. But I did see the... Co- I, I think the version I found doesn't have that opening, and it just kind of... Because st- I remember watching it going, oh, shit, I think this is starting in the middle of the scene, so I must find a better copy of it. Yeah, no, I'll get it to you. Because it's, it's one of those weird... You know, because we've watched a lot of shit, folks, to be quite <laughs> honest, yeah, over the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> hasn't been easy. No, it hasn't, actually. It's been less, a lot less fun than I yeah. think we expected but um you know you you get so jaded with these sort of films and then that came on and it's just an intro and it's like it's not to say that the film's the greatest film of all time or anything that but it does you actually sit up and you're kind of going oh okay yeah. mm-hmm. like here's something because this is a proper film this isn't one made like sound like bloody night it, it's set it obviously has that title but it, it's not even is it set at christmas Sound like bloody night yeah no it's not actually Great. um so it's just that the title that kind of ties you in so you're kind of fooled into but this is a proper and i would argue as close to being an original slasher as what Black Christmas was long before Halloween, because this is 1972. Okay. So years before Black Christmas or anything else. And because I, I don't want to get too much in the story if you guys haven't seen it, because it's worth sort of discovering. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, we see this guy die who owned the house. Mm. And uh, then years later, the town hate this house. They consider it kind of cursed. And this guy, the, his sales agent, turns up and says, I need to sell it, but I'll sell it for very cheap, but it has to be gone by tomorrow okay. if the town buy it off him. Uh, and the guy who inherited it kind of turns up, but someone, a mysterious figure, has moved into the house and is calling the local residents and luring them to the house and killing them, and we don't know why. Um, now, the acting isn't great in this film, but they're all very beautiful people. They're all put part of Andy Warhol's The Factory-type people. They're okay. in all of his movies, so very stunning, striking people. Um, there's a half-decent mystery there. There's a genuinely, what I think, very disturbing kind of flashback reveal to part of what the story is towards the end that reminded me of something like Night of the Living Dead, where it's just visually very striking. Not that graphic, but you know something that just kind of gets under your skin, yeah, kind yeah. of a black and white. It's all really blown out as well, and I'd love to see a proper print to wonder, was it done? But it's kind of like a bleach bypass part. Um, but there's that. It's, it's <laughs> one of two films that we're going to discuss today that have casual incest just thrown in there for, you know... <laughs> I don't know quite why, but like uh, why we'll get to Elsa in a moment. Go hand in hand um, with these films. But yeah, the, 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 even the opening because it's a girl's voiceover and she's kind of recounting a story of it, and it's kind of got that beautiful sort of seventies kind of lighthearted sort of music—not mm-hmm. lighthearted, but kind of yeah. uh, dreamy kind of music over it. And the, we're gonna—we know we're gonna be told this tale. Yeah, that kind of, yeah. kind of bookends both parts of it, but. Yeah, no, I won't get into it further then if you guys haven't seen it, but I'd say but we're definitely watch. worth watching. Okay. People who are yeah. horror fans, it's not necessarily a Christmas thing. If you want to watch something you probably haven't seen and it's got a nice spooky story, got some creepy things in there, okay. I think you'll appreciate it. Silent Night, oh. Bloody Night. Yeah, cool. terrible title. It's just unfortunate because some of these films I think are lost because of the Seems crap titles. like a yeah. weird, unnecessary title. Lab. It, but but why, why is it in one place called Silent Night, Bloody Night and then another place called Night of well, the Dark? We'll get onto this again when we're going to talk <laughs> about Black Christmas. Like, they just, at the time, it seemed to distributors just release them under any title they yeah, thought would yeah. work and if it didn't they just mm-hmm. changed it and in different territories they called it different things because they thought it would sell more yeah, there yeah. was no kind of respect or, or caring for that mm-hmm. like uh, 
Has anyone seen Santa Slay? Oh yeah, now give us a blast on that. Well, Santa Slay is this the one with Goldberg, Goldberg former WWE superstar, absolutely. also featuring Fran Drescher. From the nanny? The nanny. The <laughs> <Okay>. Mr. Sheffield <laughs> and all that shit. Uh, yeah, basically, now, I think Santa Slate is a great example of one of these films that you watch the trailer on YouTube, you're going to want to watch the movie. Okay. It's cool trailer. It's really well put together. It looks funny. Uh, you've got this big, brash Santa Claus guy played by Goldberg, the wrestler, going around, you know, killing people. But it's done in a comedy kind of way. It's got high production value. It was made in the 90s, so it doesn't kind of have that seedy kind of feel of the yeah. other killer Santa Claus. Yeah, there's a lot movies. of sleazy, mm. kind of mm. sleazy stuff in the earlier stuff. That mm. just leave you with a bad taste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I think that... Sa- it's now, so I, I'm, I'm a bit torn on Santa Slate because I don't think it's necessarily a great film, but I think it is a decent Christmas horror movie that's okay. probably worth a watch because you have your supernatural Santa slasher, basically, yeah. who kills people in creative ways. You know, like there's this thing in the trailer where... Um, they're like, open your present there, Billy. What did you get for Christmas? The grandparents are just watching them and the kid opens the present and it just explodes. It just <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> blows them to bits. Okay, you know? I'm so... Yeah, yeah, Connor, you know what I mean? Kind of, he's running people over with reindeers. Oh, man. He's got funny one-liners. That that's, what I, yeah, yeah. that's what you want. Yeah, that's yeah. what we all thought we were going to be watching. He bursts, with yeah, yeah, yeah. he bursts out of the chimney. You know, you've got all these great... Like, he uses Christmas conventions to kill people so ah, it's like stitches with Santa yeah, yeah essentially yeah. you know what I mean that, that kind of great. thing um, so where are the downsides then because this is sounding pretty good so that's what I'm saying the trailer is kind of one of these things where it shows you all the best bits okay. you know uh, I remember I watched it with a group of people a couple of years ago after seeing the trailer going lads we're a bit, we're in for a treat here, <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> I've never seen a Christmas horror movie before yeah, yeah. but this, this is the only one that exists <laughs> and let's watch it and it just um you know, it, it the, the cheesiness of it kind of becomes a bit tiresome after a while, basically. Mm. It's not one of the better slasher films that are out there, but it's definitely worth a watch for the for the Christmas horror movies, you know? Um, and uh, it's it's just a bit of fun. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Definitely okay. It, it definitely sounds like something worth checking out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at the very least, watch the trailer because it'll just get you into that spirit of Christmas carnage. You know? Yeah. Cool. And, you see, and you kind of just saying Silent Night, not worth watching. No, definitely no. not. And I, I can't mm. remember... Actually, no, we'll talk about the Black Christmas remake in a moment um, after we talk about the film. But sorry, actually, no, let's talk about it now. I saw the Black Christmas remake when it came out. I haven't seen it since then. Does anyone know? Is it remotely watchable? I haven't seen the remake. It's just one of the newer... The I'm remake. just thinking of the newer Christmassy ones. That's the only other one I can think it's of. It's like when they do these remakes as well. They take out all it's the stuff. Prom night. That's yeah. Nothing yes. to do with it. Just yeah, the same yeah. title. I actually watched the trailer for Black Christmas today. Actually, I watched it in some countdown of the top 10 horror movies or whatever. And, the tr- and there were clips from the remake of Black Christmas. And one of the things that bl- the original Black Christmas had that was so terrifying about it was the voice on the other oh end. Oh my God. Yeah, that okay. still Let, terrifies me that voice. Let's talk about Black Christmas. Okay, but hang on a But the remake... Okay. The remake, the voice on the other end of the phone is, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. scary voice. They've missed the point. Yeah. They've totally yeah. missed the point there. Yeah, See, that, that's one of the, the saddest thing I think, for any of us when it comes to these remakes. Yeah. I don't mind them retelling the story, but yeah, when they miss what actually made the first one interesting or what could yeah, be capitalized yeah. on. It's yeah. like it they br- have the film there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, all, it's, it's, they must it's just set go. up for you. All you need to do is knock it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, someone else has done the hard work, and even better, they've shown you the bits that are weaker that don't work, so you yeah. now know what to change. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Okay, but kind of like ladies' prerogative, elves are Black Christmas next well we're on black christmas maybe yeah. we'll yeah. maybe Let's we'll go it. black christmas okay um. now like g- general consensus before we get into much black christmas because like great. for me brilliant film brilliant not even yeah. just a christmas film absolutely yeah. great, great, great that was the thing that struck me about halfway through watching i was like you know what 
this is probably one of the best Christmas films, Christmas horror films I've ever seen, but it's also probably going to get up there into my top horror films. It's a damn good horror movie that I can't believe I've overlooked for so long. I only saw it for the first what time. What year this week. is this film? Because sometimes that's 1974. 74. Yeah. Oh, the okay, first slasher. Yeah, sometimes yeah. people say Black Christmas was the first, first slasher. slasher. Well, okay, well, yeah. yeah see, cause, okay, you know that because I find that interesting more and more because everyone obviously holds up Halloween as the yeah. first slasher film, and it's weird even going back to Silent Night. Uh, Bloody Night or obviously Psycho and everything like slasher films kind of came out of a, a standard trend that had been around for a long time because they were kind of oh, yeah. violent mm. thrillers that sort of became slashers. I guess Halloween kind of takes its own ownership because Black Christmas is actually no, I love Halloween mm. as everyone knows <laughs> so it's not me trying to be down on Halloween but Black Christmas is a film with kind of more realistic characters and a it's slightly a more realistic scenario yeah mm. while Halloween really brought in the tropes of you know, she's the slutty girl. She's the pure innocent yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, your it, supernatural it's killer trashier, with a mask and a yeah. signature style. There's a trashier kind of fun to Halloween, which Black Christmas. Yeah. Black Christmas still bothers me. There's something kind of creepy and unsettling it's about really it. Really terrifying. It leaves yeah. me with a kind yeah. of a you know, and I, I I love the film, but I find it weird to say it's an enjoyable watch because it is. Mm. It, it I don't know. It genuinely gets under my skin it's, every time and yeah. leaves me quite. I don't know. I feel weird at the end of but it. But it also has quite a Christmassy feeling to it. You know, yeah. like, I mean, oh, it it's also, yeah. also kind of get kind of cozy with the Christmas lights and the music. Look, actually, Karen, do you want to set it up? Give us the basics. Well, basically, yeah, Black Christmas directed by Bob Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set in a sorority house in, is it America or Canada? Or? Well, filmed in Canada, but supposed to be Massachusetts, oh, I believe. Okay, it's cool. mentioned once. Yeah, so I felt like that there was some sort of Canadian uh, connection there. But yeah, but it's a sorority house around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of girls there by themselves. And the phone call starts to to come through. A pervy phone call, like yeah. Creepy, breathing, Obscene. weird voices, weird sounds, and that's what kind of we were saying in the remake. They just turned it into a standard scary guy voice. In the original, it's the kind of ramblings of a mad person. Yeah, is what which we're is hearing. actually three voices they use to do it, and that's why it's Absolutely. so because it is okay. so jarring because it goes from mm. high pitched to quiet, and because it, yeah. it's a really obscene, like saying horrible uh, words that I don't know if I'll be cut out if I say, <laughs> but and strange sounds yes. and screaming. But what happens is the girls are kind of abusive then, and all of a sudden it goes quiet, and he just whispers, "You're all gonna die," and yeah. he just hangs up, and it's fucking so terrifying. First the girls are kind of you know, oh, you're a creep, you're a pervert, stop calling us, it's a prank call, blah blah blah, and then. The calls become more frequent. They become more graphic and scary. And then the girls, I think, start to get picked off by this killer. Quite early. I mean, one of the girls in gets picked the, off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right at and the start. In the very house that they're yes. in. So they're in yeah, this big house. It's amazing they maintain that whole yeah. house. So, you know? and, and, but but it, meanwhile, in the outside world, this girl has gone missing. So they're, everyone's looking for her, but they can't find her. Parents get involved. Police get involved. John Saxon gets involved. <laughs> I know. We do. Let's talk about all this John cast. Saxon needs to do is be in a movie, and I'm hooked. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's as soon as you see his name in his title, you kind of smile, yes. don't you? And you just oh kind of go, God. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, a couple of my favorite movies that he was in: uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. Obviously. He was the dad. Uh, Enter the Dragon. He was Absolutely. in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, like, and Cannibal Apocalypse, which Cannibal is Apocalypse, which is crazy. bizarre. <laughs> also, Argento's Tenebrate. He oh, plays he the that? agent in that. Oh, legend. Oh, yeah. But he is, he's an incredibly, uh, just warm presence. And do you know, he yeah. wasn't meant to be in the film. Because really? uh, bizarrely, I was going to watch The Children again today and I ended up listening to the whole director's commentary on Black Christmas because okay. I got so sucked in. Wow. But yeah, John Saxon was, he came in the night before because the actor who was supposed to be in it, I can't remember what, it, he'd been in The Wild Bunch and The Killers, the old like wow. uh, film noir oh, okay. thing. Um, but he turned up the guy, something O'Brien, or O'Brien, um, 
he arrived at the airport and he didn't know where he was or anything. He suffered a late form of Alzheimer's and his agent had still sent him out. And oh he didn't even God. know where he was. Oh my God. And they had to, uh, they just, they, they were going to try and cause, uh, his like his nine year old kid or something had sent him out as well saying, you know, dad, this is going to be your big break. It's worth do it and everything like that. And they had to turn it down. That's and uh, John Saxon had to come in at the very last minute. It was the composer of the film suggested John okay, Saxon because wow. he'd met him on a previous film. But yeah, and he, he like he's not a, a major role in the film and yet, but he's so wonderful in it because when he's there, he's such a safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. know. Um, and the other actors as well. So you got Olivia Hussey is the main girl in it. Who she's Turkey Shoot. If anyone's seen that, uh, Turkey Shoot. It's kind of a almost a, an early Hunger Games thing, an Australian exploitation film where a load of people are brought to a camp and they're told that, you know, if you can uh, escape and survive the killing games, you can live. Mm. But sh- she's in that. And she, I think she's quite good in this one. She's a very beautiful woman. Mm. Um, John Saxon, you've got Keir DeLay, I think it is, who six years before this film was the lead role of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, what? He's the guy who, her, her boyfriend in the film. No way. Yeah. Blew my mind. Which <laughs> like, is, that's amazing. But one thing about 2001 Space Odyssey is as much as people talk about it, no one ever really talks about the cast. Of no, it. yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, no. that red dot is probably more famous than the, the actors Which in is it. crazy. But they were obviously brilliant. But that was him. That he was, was the him, guy with the long yeah. Hair and the yeah, piano, piano. smashes his piano. Brilliant. And obviously we had, uh, what's it, Margot Kidder. Kidder. Uh, from Margot Kidder, Lois Lane. Lois Lane and Andy Jill Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What a cast. So yeah, like a really strong cast. Because you were texting me as you were watching. Yeah. Going, Sean Saxon's in this. <laughs> Margot <laughs> Kidder's in this. Connor's there going, yeah, have you before? And I'm like, oh, it's Black Christmas. But it is, like, it's just... Uh, so again, like it, it's a kind of an unofficial title for because Billy is, is supposed to be the killer in it, but it's mm. never explicitly said. He says the name Billy on a few of the phone calls, yeah, yeah. and there is kind of a debate or question about whether it could be the main girl Jess, I think her character is in it, uh, boyfriend or not, and there's a suspicion around those things. But like, I don't know, like the tagline for this film, what I have it here: uh, "If this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight." <laughs> and, you know, it, it was, and it should have been. Like, even with a title like that, you think this is going to be a trashier film. Mm, yeah. And it's really not. Like, mm. in many ways, I think it's actually quite progressive. It was actually originally called Stop Me, which was a terrible title. Right. And I'm so glad they changed that. And that's yeah. why on the initial release, it was actually called Silent Night, Evil Night. Oh, no way. God, yeah. They, they stepped out of there. Do you know why? A distributor changed it. Well, no, Bob Clark came up with Black Christmas before that. And the distributor changed it because he was afraid people were going to think it was a black exploitation film. This is wow. the mid seventies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Black yeah. Christmas. You know, Absolutely. this is the time when you had Blackula, Scream, Blackula, Scream, yeah. Blackenstein. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Blackity, Black, Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so you got that. It was a six hundred twenty thousand dollar budget, oh. but it was shot over eight weeks, and I think that's partly what oh. actually gives this film the quality it has. Because yeah. that's, I, mean, I know back then that wasn't a crazy long time, but. This film's beautifully shot. I think beautifully, beautifully shot. shot. Oh, that point of view. It's like a, the wide angle. The wi- And again, this is one of the champions, because again, people talk about Halloween, that opening Steadicam shot, yeah. which again, Connor, I think you and me, Halloween was the first one we saw that, and everyone claimed this was a revolutionized thing. And I know yeah, it was yeah. the first use of Steadicam. Yeah, yeah. But this film starts with a POV of the killer going in. And even better than that, they had a rig on your man's shoulder, so when he's climbing up the trellis to get in, yeah. you can see his hands. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. a really brilliant POV type thing. And it had that kind of movement that made it feel very, very real. Yeah, totally. Um, and it was his breathing, though, as well. It's the yeah, sound yeah. design that goes with it. His gargled kind of uh, heavy breathing, so disturbing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as well as this being just a solid movie, as well as being a solid horror Christmas movie, Bob Clark, after that, went on to direct um, an American classic Christmas movie, uh, A Christmas Story. I haven't seen that. What's that like? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's one of the, like, it's not as um, well-known, I think, in Ireland as it would be in the States, but in the States, it's like it's, yeah, it's the well movie looked. you watch at yeah, Christmas. Yeah, it's like, it's as big as It's a Wonderful Life. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, to basically go, 
I can make a really great scary Christmas movie and then just a really great Christmas movie for all the family. Like, I mean, that's that says a lot, yeah. I think, you know, and like it's kind of what I was. What I wonder I was how he got that job. Did he? <laughs> go, yeah, I know. Hey, you know let what? me do the Christmas movie. Here's what I just Apparently made. Apparently, when he was done with Black Christmas, that he was just done with horror at that point. He, okay. he nailed it all. Like, because even there's on the commentary, it's when he's watching it, and there's a shot of Margot Kidder drinking and smoking, and he was like, it was the last time he put that in a film as well. He kind of okay. I don't know what about the really? film, but he seemed to have just gotten it all out, and afterwards decided he didn't want to okay. do that anymore. Wow. I don't know, and I but I think because there is a kind of you can feel a sort of an anger and a rage in it because there's something interesting about Billy as this killer because to set it up for people who haven't seen it, Billy at the beginning climbs up into the attic from outside and he kind of comes down and kills people and he brings people back up there and disappears. So he's up there the whole time and there's something about just knowing that. Mm. And there's POV shots like where someone's on the phone where he might come down and look at them and disappear back yeah, off yeah, again. Yeah. Um, and even because all the deaths are very blunt. They're very simple. There's no gore. Yeah. There's no, you don't see knives penetrating people or anything. Like that. There's a strangling at the beginning with plastic that's yeah. very disturbing. Mm. But those images are, I think because of the bluntness, it's more scary because it doesn't give us the release mm. of the Hollywoodization yeah. of it. It's just... They're dead. Like, I haven't seen it. that film. I mean, just to compare it to, like, I saw Silent Night last week, and yeah. I can't remember it. No. I saw Black Christmas. Maybe the last time I watched it was about three or four years ago, and I remember the, the fate, the plastic. The image of the, the girl with the plastic yeah. on her face, it, it, it's the, melded into your brain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but do you know what? There's a beautiful touch in that as well. But there's a one point, it keeps cutting back to her in a rocking chair, yeah. and a cat jumps up into it and starts licking the plastic on her face. Mm. And those are those tiny little details. And I remember Coppola talking about it in The Godfathers as well, that when you had a kill, you always wanted there to be a tiny detail or something yeah, that yeah. was a bit different. And that's what makes you remember it, that it's it's not about the overt gore. It's this, you know, like in Godfather Part Two when... Uh, Vito Corleone shoots him. He'd wrap the towel around the gun, and the the towel goes on fire yes. after he shoots yeah, him. Yeah, it's yeah. these little bits that for it's, it's kind of fire them off in our brain and make them so much more memorable. Yeah, than an overly gory. It's not just a kind of clean execution. There's something. It's like reality is exactly. messy. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nothing's perfect. One of the, the the sequence in that film that sticks out to me that kind of cemented that film for me as just being an amazing film, uh, Black Christmas, was. Um, the sequence where another female character in the film, don't want to spoil it if anyone dies, and it's intercut with the carol singers at the yes. door. Yes. Okay. Because one of the things, the way we were talking before about using Christmas conventions to heighten the horror of mm. the film, right? Like, one of the things that I feel that Bob Clark has nailed in this film is he's kind of used the spooky elements of Christmas, like, you know, a dark house lit up with like multicolored lights in the middle of the night. Like there's something kind of creepy about that. If you take away the, the happy Christmas vibe you normally associate with it. But then you've got these little kid carol singers that are just dead eyed, staring into space, all singing monotone <laughs> uh, Christmas songs while it's intercut with this killer creeping into this woman's room as she sleeps at night. It's just such a powerful... And that, that's one of those images when he's killed, because that's the... Well, there's a few famous shots of the eye. You never see Billy mm. in the film, um, but there is you see him lifting up the knife, and there's just a bit of light on his face, and you can just see mm. this one eye mm -hmm. and the knife lifted above and down. And it, again, oh, it's and the simplicity. forward into the camera. Yeah, yeah, her arm... Actually, yeah. I noticed that her hand reaches out towards the camera, which it really, yeah. it, without a 3D mm. thing, it has this feeling of desperation. It really does. Um, and it's, it makes it's you very complicit. You see very often. It's yeah. Very yeah. yeah. Very there's often. a real nastiness in Blackburn that, yeah, you feel you're complicit in watching these sufferings. And almost in the way that Hanukkah touched on in Funny Games later on, like, there is an extent of, like, that you're somehow responsible by watching these things and doing nothing. You yeah, know, while yeah, in yeah. later films and slashers, it became that fun of wanting to see people die. In Black Christmas, there's nothing fun or enjoyable about yeah, it. There's nothing yeah. to celebrate. 
it's death and it's tragic. And I think that's very much what Bob Clark felt about these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, because what I think is interesting about Billy as a character is we get to see the odd scene of him on his own behaving. There's a scene where it's up in the attic where he just loses his shit. Oh, yeah. He starts smashing up mm. the place and screaming and there's something really unnerving because it's not like he's reacting in rage to someone else or attacking him or he's the cold killer like Michael Myers. Mm. He's just completely gone. We, don't, we never find out what, what Billy's story is. There's hints in yeah, the phone yeah, calls, but we yeah. don't know if any of them are true or not. But they just he loses and starts smashing things, and it's just that total lack of control yeah, yeah. really got to me, you know? Um, it's just not something you see often. Yeah, it, I mean, it reminds me, it's probably a different kind of thing, but you know that moment where Leatherface uh, kind of goes crazy and whimpering around the house? Absolutely. And, and it does give him this... They're not just that cold killer, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, uh, I mean, they're obviously twisted, but there's still an element where... You know, they're nearly like a child having a tantrum. You're completely or right. And yeah. in text chains as well, like when Leatherface is putting on the other mask and he's putting on the lipstick or whatever in the first mm. one as well. These are these are character moments that mm. are so much more disturbing because we just we're get we're, it's like we're getting more of an insight into the character and yet we still have no understanding. And that's and what's I, terrifying. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, just on that point as well. It's like why those other films I don't think work with setting up the Santa. It's like um, or it's like the way in the Carb or the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. You know, you don't want to see the Michael Myers setups so, yeah. so much, but it's just given the little hints about the past. It's glimpses more, into it. It's so much more, more disturbing, powerful, and especially yeah. in Black Christmas, since that type of thing comes so much later on in the film. You're already scared of this person. Yeah. Then when you see them having this kind of uncontrollable moment, it makes them seem so much more unpredictable. Yeah. Shit, this guy doesn't even have a plan. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah exactly. I mean? like, yeah, <laughs> like and so, you, what's he gonna do? Because like they should be some. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, they should be something you fear, not someone you're trying to get the audience on board. Absolutely, with, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely. And I think mm. that's what it's. It's a serious mistake horror went down with the slasher. And I like I enjoy slasher films and I enjoy those kind of silly ones, but it was a mistake they made when they supposedly invented the slasher thing with Halloween. And it's not the Carpenter made that mistake, but the ones that went on afterwards is they lost the humanity of the people. Because even in Carpenter's one, like you do when you're mental like Laurie Strode. I know some people don't, but like, you know, you care about her. Yeah. It's the tragedy that you're terrified for her. Not like the later Friday the thirteenth where so many people do just watch them wanting to see Jason off someone in a ridiculous True. way. And yeah, like yeah. what we were looking for in these Santa ones, but to actually be scared, we have to care for them. And that's why I actually thought this is actually a pretty progressive film. So this is the same year Texas Chainsaw came out, Black Christmas came out. Okay, okay yeah. So it was a good year for her. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously it was before Halloween. But the teenagers in this, well, they're kind of, co- it's kind of a little unclear. They're a little older than the characters are meant to be in Halloween, I think. Um, uh, yeah, Because yeah, it yeah, is yeah, kind of college. Yeah. college yeah. yeah, but they're, they're more grown, but they're also more developed. You know, they're because they're college girls. They're there's much more effort to portray the characters as real girls with with real issues. Yeah. yeah. You know, because even our main girl, she's not a sweet, innocent virgin like Laurie Strode is in Halloween. She's a girl with an unplanned pregnancy who's considering having an abortion. Absolutely. Yeah. Nineteen seventy four. You know, and I know Very America legitimized yeah. these things before us, but like that was a a, a complex yeah, yeah. issue to bring up. Um, and to bring that up in the middle of this film, but not as a cheap in, because nowadays we tend to use even for a killer's back motive, oh, child abuse or something. It's yeah, a very yeah. lazy thing that's thrown in there. But this abortion, it's an important part of the story, and it's so progressive in the fact that she argues with her boyfriend about, you know, because he thinks that, that she should keep the kid and everything, is the fact that she's got her own life ahead of her, and she just doesn't want to be fulfilling all his dreams, yeah, which yeah. is really progressive for female definitely, characters yeah. in films, and you mm. definitely don't see any more. So it's just, it's a lot more interesting because they have their own thing to do. And actually the men in Black Christmas are pretty useless. 
Right. There, you know, even in Halloween, Laurie Strode needed Sam Loomis to turn up at the end to shoot Michael Myers to save her. Yeah. In this one, the guys can't help the girls. These girls live in a world where they're their own unique individuals. For better or worse, they're not perfect people. But even John Saxon, the police, they figure out too late yeah. about the killer and the thing. Her boyfriend's not supportive. She has to manage it all by herself. The, the cops in the police station, when uh, all I want you to do is uh, ring her back up and tell her put down the phone and walk out of the house and the guy rings her up and he freaks at her like he's, yeah, they're like he children does. the men are like children in the yeah, film yeah. I think like especially her boyfriend who's kind of like a, a, a child throwing tantrums yeah. yeah yeah no I just you know it's something and but I, it's kind of coming back into films I even say what you're next with this kind of strong female lead and everything mm. but just because you're setting a cast of teenagers or college kids doesn't mean they can't be people and doesn't mean they have to be perfect tropes. Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah, lean yeah. on tropes is fine, but the slasher films then became that terrible thing of girls were just belly tops and they were just there for, to have sex and to be off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And all the back, because in Black and Christmas, the, virgin would survive. the first girl to get killed in Black Christmas is the really good girl. Everyone yeah. always kind of forgets that because like Margot Kidder plays a much, you know, a drinker who enjoys yeah, life, yeah. who's a bit foul-mouthed and everything like that. Like, and there, a lot of the people die, but it's not the first person and it's not because of that. He Billy's indiscriminate that way, yeah, which again yeah, is yeah. more scary. Yeah. He's not interested in that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely think he was really good. Um, Connor, anything else to throw in there? So what do you guys think? Do you think it was good, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I haven't seen it in a few years, and I've seen it a few times, yeah. but I'm definitely going to rewatch it this I, Christmas I again. Could, I could know? go with a rewatch again soon, because yeah. I, I watched it th- just kind of thinking, okay, yeah, let's give this a go. I've heard this is pretty good. But I could definitely do yeah. another watch even it, you know, I so would say uh, yeah, it, every, it is one of those ones and from a filmmaker's point of view as well it's a beautifully crafted the scenes like mm. there's a lot of them that are either kind of done in one shot but it's it's beyond that kind of modern day thing of lots of cutting and I, I think I'm probably guilty of that as well of feeling the need to go into close ups and stuff here mm. and there he, he stages his scenes beautifully where people move around in frame yeah. or not and there's actually one bit that I thought was really nice that I noticed and at this time I'd never seen before because um, Connor you brought up earlier on the killer POV yeah, which is yeah, the yeah. really strong bit in this you see it wandering around the house you see it outside um, you only ever see the killer POV from Billy's point of view except at the end when Jess goes upstairs when she knows he's in the house and she's going up to check on her friends for one time we get a POV from her point of view okay. as it's going up and it's, it's the same floaty movie oh. thing and that's a couple of minutes before she does her first kill Okay. where she kills her boyfriend downstairs thinking that he might be the killer. Yeah, yeah. But it was a really interesting choice that I'd never seen because no one else gets a POV shot anywhere in the film. Yeah. And it's very rare you see it in a horror film where it's actually given to your main protagonist. But she has one. Yeah, so yeah. It's almost it's as if... more but, of a predatory Well, thing. yeah, but she's made the choice at that point. She knows the killer's in the house and she's choosing to go upstairs. Now, some people think that's the, the terrible trope of the group why would she go upstairs. But you've got to remember, her friends are meant to be up there. She thinks they're still alive. And so it's going up there, but it was just that can't be a coincidence. That no, just I think chose. that's definitely somebody knowing exactly what they're doing. Absolutely, you know? and it's yeah. a subtle thing that, like, I'd watched the film a number of times yeah, before, I yeah. never picked up on. And you probably wouldn't know that you think, but there's something inside your head mm-hmm. that shows a change. The in her. guy on the phone, though, is there is is shouting down the phone, going, "Don't go up the stairs!" Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "But he can't see her." But that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> He's just saying what I think. But that is, you know, as much as people give that a hard time of all the tropes and horror films, like, you know. That, that internal shouting that you do or I do it when I'm sitting on the couch at home with Kat like we both do we're like oh why yeah. are they doing this that's almost part of the joy of some of these films for oh, us isn't Lord. it is the kind of going like oh why are they <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. that the, you know when they hear the noise in the closet and they slowly reach for the handle like, yeah, firstly yeah. why are you reaching so slowly <laughs> and secondly why don't you just leave the house yeah. like uh, but yeah. you know 
and modern horror films have started to play with that. You know, like even you started to see it a bit in Scream and in other films, they they kind of play with that type of thing. Like yeah, go yeah, upstairs yeah. And check my door. They do. It's weird because like obviously in the first Scream, there's that whole you know yeah don't do those kind of silly mistakes, but. But At everyone just falls into those things naturally. But even in the opening of Scream, when, uh, you know, the ghost faces outside and he's on the phone to her, like, she could call the police. She never does. Like, she doesn't yeah, run yeah. upstairs, but she doesn't call the police. <laughs> now, I know you could argue she's too far away from town, but you, you could, unfortunately for horror films, like, you could always pull them apart. We have to create certain contrivances yeah, yeah, completely. for the things to happen. And it's tricky because you don't want to make it a really obvious one. Well, mm. you're going to have to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. if everyone just did common sense, they'd be straight out the door and it'd be mm. over. You know, I would love to make a two-minute horror film. <laughs> just, someone hears a noise and all he goes, nope. <laughs> yeah. um, can we talk about the ending a little bit? A very downbeat, kind of disturbing ending. Black um, Xmas. Yeah. yeah. No, no, the remake. Yeah, Black I, Xmas. I actually can't Black remember the, the very end of it. Do you mind if we talk about it? Yeah, no, go for it, because I've seen it a few times. Um, so basically at the ending... Um, or Connor, do you want to... No, 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 go, go for um, it. So... Uh, what happens is Jess realizes she's in the house and Billy's upstairs and she goes upstairs uh, and he doesn't, does he? No, he doesn't attack her. She ends up, I can't remember why, but she ends up going down to the basement and yeah. hiding. Oh, her boyfriend, because we're suspicious that the boyfriend may be the killer. Mm. Um, and he kind of turns up outside and that seems very strange and suspicious and he's peering through the window at her, which is quite creepy. <laughs> and he's calling to her and we're not sure if he's seen her or not. And he decides to smash the window in to climb in, which again, kind of we're going, oh, is he the killer or not? And he keeps approaching Jess and then we don't see what happens. The police burst into the house. They wander through the house. Wonderful tracking shots. They go through the house and they find the two of them unconscious on the ground. And it looks like they're both dead. But it turns out that Jess has just kind of gone comatose and she'd killed her boyfriend thinking it was the killer. So she's sedated um, and left in a bedroom while everyone else goes outside. It's a slightly contrived thing of another guy faints, so they all leave outside. Um, Because they presume the killer's dead, that she's killed the killer. And this, the camera slowly tracks out of oh, her bedroom and across the corridor and up to the attic door. And you kind of wonder, maybe he was the killer and you just see the attic just creaking up <laughs> slightly. Yeah. And then it cuts to the shot of the, sm- the suffocated woman in the attic and it pulls out. And it's just an attic shot because they haven't discovered the bodies in the attic mm. yet. They think they're still just missing people. And it pulls out and reveals the whole house. And there's just a police officer waiting outside. But it holds silently on that house for about 10 seconds and the credits start to roll and the credits have nearly done a whole set up the screen where we're still looking at the house and then the phone just starts ringing again. Oh, it's beautiful. And like she's sedate, there's nothing to help her and or the anything like that. the cop's just standing there Yeah, the cop the outside doesn't ringing. react, doesn't do anything and the phone just keeps ringing over the credits and she, there's no way, like she's literally completely unconscious and it, it leaves us with that. That's how that film leaves us. It's beautiful. Wow. You know? Um, I know the studio wanted to re-record a different ending to it but uh, it's just so... And it's a little bit too bleak, maybe, because she really did earn her, her, her <laughs> success. But yeah, it's just so chilling. And I just think that was a bold choice to wait until the credits had actually rolled partly before the phone even rings. Because yeah, yeah. nowadays we're always in a rush to try and get to it and get out. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it just leaves it lingering over you. Um, yeah, it's the type of ending that would make you stay and watch the credits just because you're kind of left yeah, but it, it kind of Yeah, it leaves you sitting there kind of going, oh, that's not very comforting. <laughs> yeah. and actually, it was interesting because there's a story that uh, he tells on the commentary about uh, a very young John Carpenter coming and talking to him afterwards. John Carpenter, apparently a big fan of Black Christmas. Okay, wow. Now, I, I meant to go back and listen to this again to be doubly sure I got it the right way around, but I'm pretty sure I do because Carpenter asked Bob Clark, uh, I think it was 1976 or seven, saying, would you do a sequel to Black Christmas? And Bob claims that he told him, you know what, I don't think I would because I'm done with horror films, but I always had the idea what I would do is I would set it the next year in fall 
I'd have the killer having been caught and he would escape the mental institution and head back to the local neighborhood and terrorize the teenagers again. No way. And yeah, and <laughs> it was weird because he backs it up by kind of saying that he's not in any way trying to go on John Carpenter for that Whoa. because he thinks what Carpenter did editing-wise, filming-wise yeah. and story-wise is incredible and it's completely his own creation. Mm. But yeah, supposedly that was his concept for doing a sequel to Black Christmas right. if he was going to and apparently he told John Carpenter that a couple of years <laughs> beforehand but then like because you know when you hear these ideas just of, a coincidence but yeah. yeah but you know because like even if someone like I could tell Connor like an idea I have for a film the reality is though if Connor wrote it it would be a different thing like I know you do have mm. to there is creative integrity and everything but it yeah, well, I don't know. Like what we're talking earlier about that um, that director who was in Last House and Left who made his first David Hess, movie, yeah. and then you know shortly afterwards you're seeing your Friday the Thirteenth, you're seeing mm. other movies that kind of you're seeing more Santa Claus slasher movies as well. Yeah. So people are inspired by other things people do, but it's it's always going to be each person brings their own unique perspective to yeah. a story. And like one person isn't going to do the same. S- script the same way as totally yeah, yeah. 100%. yeah even the exact same script if, if we directed script, it we would do completely totally different, different films yeah, yeah. and the leap as well from the idea to making the film i mean sometimes yeah it's like i mean in it, my brother used to point it out to me because he would do apps and i'd just go to him with three lines ago there's my app idea and and he'd say to me the uh, the difference between what you're bringing yes. and the finished product yeah. is like you know, it's, it's like a, a million miles work. of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's the same when, you know, sometimes I have an idea for a film and I say, yes. oh, I had the idea for that film. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you had one line. Absolutely. But it's like... You know, and, yeah. and some people get a little bit, you know, hung up, especially like new writers get kind of hung up about, oh, I can't tell anyone my script idea or what my film is about because I don't want anyone to steal it. Mm. But if you think about, like, the amount of work it takes you to get your <laughs> idea from that log line in your head to the script on the page to the money to make the film to making the film, mm-hmm. think about how much time, blood, sweat, and tears that takes is someone else going to overhear your idea and then go, oh, I'm going to put four years of my life into his idea. I think it's an <laughs> easy know? way not to do anything, to yes. just go, oh, I could have made that. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and you exactly. just don't put the work in. But even know? sure when we have an idea in our head and we think we've nailed it, we've got this great idea, like as soon as you go to write, like it's incredible. Yeah. You don't realize how many terrible plot holes are in what you think is a genius story yeah. until you start writing and you're going, this is fucking preposterous. <laughs> you know, And we're, we're horror filmmakers, folks, so we deal in like not real reality, but it is challenging. I've got two other interesting tidbits on Bob Clark's Black Christmas just before we move on because yeah. firstly he was so disappointed by the remake that he decided he was going to do his own sequel to it and he had Olivia Hussey is it Hussey or yeah I think back on board to reprise her main role as Jess oh, wow. um, until he tragically died in 2007 so no it way. was actually fully on no yeah way. it was totally unexpected when he died and so he actually was trying to go back to actually do it ah, give okay. it a, a proper kind of thing yeah, which is a nice yeah, idea terrible, yeah. and another weird one um, there's a creepy door open mm-hmm. here um, the original TV premiere was pulled from TV channels when it was supposed to be on a couple of days before after a very brutal double murder of two girls in a sorority house. They were bludgeoned to death and another two girls were attacked in the room beside oh by someone who a while later turned out to be Ted Bundy. No, no way. Yeah. So that, that was, it was another, just a, a notch in the weird Black Christmas story. So obviously nothing to do with it because the film yeah, had been long yeah, made yeah, beforehand. Yeah. But yeah, no one realized at the time, but it was just because it was so connected. It was a sorority house and everything just had respect. They pulled yeah, it and delayed yeah. it for a while. But yeah, it was one of oh, Ted Bundy's murders. Christ. So on that delightful note, yeah. elves. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, I can see you smiling already. Oh my God. Why don't you introduce it? <laughs> What can you say? We left the best for last. <laughs> so Mark, Mark was uh, discovered this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and told us all to watch this amazing <laughs> film, Elves, not Elvis, but Elves. <laughs> so tell me, Connor. Firstly, the title Elves. 
What strikes you as wrong about that? Well, there isn't elves in the film. There is one elf. <laughs> what, what do you Why think would you call it elves? <laughs> It's like, like so unnecessary to give it the plural name when you know there's only one in there. Like, like it's is elves like, scarier than no one elf? wants to see a film about <laughs> one elf? Yeah, <laughs> except if it's Will Ferrell. True. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. So Can what's I, this movie about? <laughs> well, okay, uh, well, okay. Why don't why don't we? I just hit out a few bullet points yeah. on things that this film touches on, <laughs> and then we can discuss. Okay, so obviously, yeah, there's only one elf in it. Um, it involves a mother who drowns her child's cat to punish her for reading a book in the forest. Oh God, that was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. As you, and again, treated like this is quite normal. Like this isn't even yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. a spooky, yeah. bizarre thing. No, no, that's behavior. Um, it involves. A mall Santa, played by Grizzly Adams himself, who turns out to be a genius ex-detective mm. with a drink problem. Um, <laughs> Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Incest. Incest justification as it was necessary to save the world. And her granddad assures her he took no pleasure in it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you're watching these scenes and you're kind of going, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't get that far. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't make it to that part. Oh, you know, oh, oh you have to God. watch it all. It's incredible. No, it's, no. Uh, no, it is. Oh, yeah, you, you, yeah we're going to get onto your hatred of this in a moment. Um, so you're going to love the rest of these points then as well. Revelations that Noah brought elves on the ark. And it's in the Bible. You just didn't realize it. Um, and an elf that carries Nazi super sperm to create the perfect race, but can only do it if he sleeps with a virgin on Christmas Eve. Take it away, Conrad Man. Oh, my God. This is one of the great joys and discoveries. This is it's what we live for. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I watched this film with a smile on my face, um, start to finish. And it was one of those films, it didn't tire on me, like, right to the end. Like, the effects, right, are dodgy. There's scenes, you're, like, I think there's a scene where her mother dies, and they come, or she's, um, they come back, they come back downstairs, she's clearly dead. And they kind of go, oh, she's not dead, we'll come back to her later. And then they go down and just start having a conversation about what we'll get to yeah. next. And it's like... They completely ignore that whole idea. <laughs> no one it's is bothered by anything that happens. Yeah, that's yes, the thing. absolutely. Like nobody cares. <laughs> and there's this whole sequence where they—they they, uh, is it a shopping mall or where are they? Yes, they—they they break into the shopping mall to try on makeup and clothes and launch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this whole rigmarole of like sellotape and the lock on the door and going out, and then he, he comes back in and he sellotapes the lock on the door and this. <laughs> They just make such a big deal out of this. It's such it, a like, it's like a ten-minute shootout in the yeah. mall as well with the the Nazi gangster guys that no one seems too bothered. But they carry on with their world after yeah, that. Yeah, scene. yeah. Uh, that had an elf POV as well, didn't it? Yes, there was like a killer elf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. Yeah, you don't yeah. get to see much of the elf until later to on. See his little hands. <laughs> and how does the <laughs> elf look? Leg. Does he look bizarre? His leg. <laughs> Okay, I think you can tell that Conor McMahon and Mark Sheridan are big fans of this film. Like, there's a little bit of resistance here from Conor Daly. I the elf know. looks the film. She's got a brother who's, the, I think the opening scene he is... Fancies he, her. Yeah, he's, he's like, like yeah, I saw your naked. boobies. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, see, right. I suppose it sets up the casual incest thing. Uh, and before you, you hate on yeah, it more... That was I, thematic, I don't man. Yeah, I don't that was on, on theme. Oh, no, no. I, I want you to lay into it because I think it'll be equally <laughs> as good. And I, I would have no problem. Like, you either are going to enjoy this for the nonsense it is or you yeah. could equally hate it for the trash that it is. It, mm. And both are reasonable points of view. But the elf eventually is fully revealed. <laughs> I, like, I guess kind of an animatronic. Strange. Maybe a man in a suit. I'm not sure. But like... It's hard the, to know. His face doesn't really move. <laughs> it does <laughs> the same but look. It, it holds on it for kind of yeah, emotional yeah. impact. <laughs> I know, yeah. But so like, it gets to the point... 
<laughs> it gets to the point where the elf has to fulfill his uh, sexual obligations with the girl. And she could so easily run away. She's just <laughs> She's just on lying the on the ground and he's sitting beside her and there's this bizarre <laughs> sequence of him stroking her leg and working his way up from her calf to her thigh. And it's just, like the film doesn't even propose this as in a really ridiculous thing mm-hmm, yeah. or as scary. It just sort of, yeah, like <laughs> that happened. <laughs> you know, I feel like I wish I had a stuck with it to the end now just to kind of, you know, uh, experience the, How far ma- did you the get? madness of it. I think I got about maybe half an hour into the film oh. and it was just unbearable. Like the <laughs> acting was some of the worst acting I've ever seen in film. The dialogue, like I was watching it going, oh my God, they should show this in film schools of what not to do. And I'm never this hard on a film. I'm never but this I hard think it's film. full of classic lines. Like, like amazing. Santa gives oral. Was that <laughs> a line in the film? <laughs> but like, I mean, even just like the way you're saying about like, like the people's reactions to things like uh, she, the mother drowns the cat in the toilet as if that's just like a normal thing. The yeah. mother, like the girl comes in uh, at the start of the film and her mother just goes, oh, by the way, I'm taking all of your life savings. And she's like, what? You can't do that anyway. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> everyone like, knows. No, this yeah, film yeah. starts with t- her and two friends who just kind of doing aren't part of the story. Random doing ritual. a ritual out in the woods where yeah, she's drawing yeah, a, pi- yeah. a picture of a woman with big breasts <laughs> with some strange lines that casually join up to make a swastika yeah. later on. And then that is what causes the She accidentally the bleeds. To to yeah, she yeah, puts yeah. her hand on a, on, a, on a piece of glass with a candle, unclear how, and bleeds a bit. And the elf only wants her then. But then she, I knew I'd love this film. She comes in and then the granddad, just for no reason, Bash slaps her. her in the face yes, twice. twice. Twice he goes, the first she one... She borrowed a book without permission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the first one is for borrowing a, a book without permission and the second one is for lying to me or something <laughs> like that. And he's like a Hasidic Jew or something, isn't he? Yeah, but see, the, he, uh, this is the beginning because it, it, he's the guy who turns out later on to, to be her father as well. Mm. Um, and you know, unapologetic for the whole thing. And yet he has these high standards about don't steal books. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I did it's like think Chinatown, was the <laughs> was the Grizzly Adams Santa guy. He was great. I thought he was. I great I would have watched a film about that character. You know, the ex. But the uh, development kind of he starts off down in his look, <laughs> can't get a job, he's got yeah. a drink problem. <laughs> See that I'm into. I, I like that movie. But then there were just these scenes with the three girls standing around in like the mall or something. And yeah, they were that's just, just before the shootout. Yeah, no, that was yeah. a, a, oh a low God. point. I, that, I think that was when I turned off. I was like, I, life is too short. Oh, to watch it really shit picks like up this. after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where he turns up in the library and asks a man about it, and your man just casually happens to know about the elves on the ark yeah. <laughs> and explains the quotes <laughs> and stuff and how no one understood. Um, and also, is I, I I think I'm remembering correctly. Doesn't he break into a doctor's house who he's just been given the name of, who's serving dinner to his family and Grizzly Adams demands he's not going to leave until you tell me about the elves tell me about the elves <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the doctor's like I have no idea what you're talking about but eventually he just goes actually you know, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about and explains it all yeah, as yeah. if no big deal this isn't strange he explains it in front of his family they don't even <laughs> move into another room yeah 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 <laughs> and then your man kind of goes thank you and leaves <laughs> it's just oh, so would you incredible. generally recommend for people to watch this movie totally I, I think everyone on earth should watch did this I, <laughs> did Ali watch it did Ali I, get a chance to watch I it I think no, it's no, no, okay. it, it's it's you know those good bad movies? Yeah. There's a certain thing it has to have for it to be a good bad movie. And it's like, for me, I was still laughing at the end of the film. It didn't wear on me. And know? normally they do. Yeah. And usually normally I lose do. patience, yeah. especially an hour in. I'm kind of done with it. I have to. You're right. The bit in the mall is, is a lower point. But after that, because like, that's when it gets into Noah. Yeah. And the Nazi conspiracy okay. and the secret sperm. So and I, sh- I should have stuck with it. Yeah, I, I genuinely like you, yeah. Connor. I so smiled that said, the whole way I never it. felt a lag. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all like, gold. <laughs> like, uh, to be honest, to be honest, 
about five minutes into it, I was like, this is a piece of shit. I can't watch this. But then it kind of kept me interested with some wacky, weird characters and shit popping up. I was like, okay, I, I suppose I'll keep watching for a while. But then I just lost my stamina with it. Like, I mean, all the stuff you guys are saying makes it actually sound like kind of a bit Like, of, I'm going to watch this again. I think oh, yeah. maybe if I watched it with like another person or something like that. I think know? a Saturday night, if you had a few beers, watch A couple of beers, Saturday, sit down and watch perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah. even like, uh, I... I try not to subject my girlfriend to all of these films because <laughs> so many of them are fucking yeah. terrible. But she was actually, she was doing work or something on the laptop and this started in the background and she found herself curious and then she eventually had to leave. She's going off to work and she was like, will you, will you just wait? Because I actually kind of want to see what happens. <laughs> it was just that kind of one where you're kind of going, where is this going? And it just keeps escalating. Yeah, like yeah. At the beginning of that film, you would never guess <laughs> where that story is going. And yeah, we, we watch so much shite out there yeah. and it's so hard to find those genuinely so bad they're good films because yeah. a lot of them are, are kind of knowingly crap. Um, I really think this is a gem to be found. It's like films like Zoltan Hedra Dracula pieces. These are films yeah, that you I will agree. just enjoy. Mm, but classic. yeah, kind of give it, definitely give yourself a beer or two. Sit down, have a little bit of a laugh. I'll, I'll uh, start drinking again <laughs> 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 for just for this movie. But I, I think if I watched it with a couple of the lads or something like that, we could just sit around, kind of slagging it. Maybe yeah, probably enjoy it a bit more. But you know, sitting at home by yourself watching it, like I mean, I was just like. What am I doing? With I my think life? I'd still smile the whole time. <laughs> I was. I was sitting there watching on my own, smiling. I, I thought away. that watching a few of these other films, definitely, where I kind of thought, Mark, you're fucking wasting your life doing this stuff. But that one, no. I, yeah. I just, I was so excited. I actually wanted to almost pause it and get you all to come over and just watch it with yeah, me. That'd, that'd be fun. I went that'd to IMDb fun. and looked up the quotes. Like, I don't know if anyone has, no. uh, can get on IMDb there, but like, it's got about 10 quotes and they're all just hilarious. <laughs> like, like, someone wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> Do anyone know anything about the production of it, people involved? No, I looked into your man. Like he, he made virtually nothing after it. Uh, like, well, he wrote a couple of TV series. I think something called Firestorm. And like, really oh yeah, I looked at him. Yeah, 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 as well. Terrible what crap, but nothing. What I do know is that it was made in 1989, which yes. is also the year of Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade and Batman. And it is now my third favorite film of that <laughs> year. <laughs> but they knocked it out of the park. It's just a classic year, vintage year. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's definitely one to be found. I, you know, it's a weird one because. Uh, like I'm someone who's personally against uh, piracy and copyright and all that kind of thing I know a lot of people do the downloading but some of these films are up on YouTube in this bizarre because these films are virtually impossible to find because yeah, yeah. no one's going to bother selling them I yeah. suppose you could probably get them from abroad imports no like remasters maybe happen yeah. these guys. so again this is one of those where I think it's probably VHS rip or something that someone just put up on YouTube yeah. and I almost think it's it's all the better for that. It's like finding a videotape in your old video store yeah. that you're like, what the hell is this? I'll give it a go. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's a kind of a... It seems appropriate that yeah, you just yeah. find it on YouTube or you'd find it at some kind of a bizarre market. Yeah, yeah. strange exactly. cardboard box yeah. at the oh, back. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. The, 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 That's kind of the discovery. It's like... A Christmas movie to talk about like Gremlins the idea of going down a back store down a lane yeah, and yeah. find this odd guy who's like you know here take this <laughs> you know someone's like Hellraiser what's your pleasure yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't watch after midnight <laughs> <laughs> quick anything on Gremlins want to quickly say since it is a Christmas film I mean classic obviously absolutely yeah like I mean I think Gremlins there's probably a couple of movies that we haven't really mentioned that are kind of obvious like meaning like you've like Nightmare Before Christmas that's essentially yeah. a Christmas horror yeah, yeah. it's a kids movie but yeah Gremlins brilliant you know uh, kind of goes without saying yeah one thing I noticed about Gremlins I remember because I've seen I mean probably all seen it a million times but I remember watching the the I just, you know, when you watch the film so many times, you start to look at different things. Yes, in you're the film. watching the background. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So I started to notice that in every frame there was uh, blue, white, and red, the colors. Oh, like, okay. And so I was watching, I was going, because the girls wear this blue top, and there's always basically, throughout the film, I was like, okay, what is the meaning of this, right? And then 
when the gremlins come into it, green starts to come in and every shot is green. And I, this is my theory that the, the, the red, white and blue is the American flag. Yeah. And the green is the drunken Irish. <laughs> and because they're even in an they, Irish they bar. They are a little bit like the wow. drunken Irish, these mischievous little Yeah, Irish and the whole, the, so gremlins, everything is green. It's green light coming out of the things. And wherever you see the gremlins, it's, it's this like. This is a racist film. It's basically attacking. like the green, it's like the Irish invading America. Wow. And because even your man. That was, that, that was what I got from it. Well, they do behave like drunken Irishmen in a way. Totally, like, wrecking the place. <laughs> Yeah. Once one shows up, you, you start to see more <laughs> supply. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like it is just that Spielberg Dante combination just seemed to be perfect. Well, I know people talk yeah. about Poltergeist with Spielberg and Hooper, where everyone says Spielberg made that film. I think Gremlins is a perfect example of both those directors just clicking in the yeah. right way. Because yeah. there's the the beautiful wonder of Spielberg in it, but there's also the the boldness or the impishness of kind of Dante. Yes. Yeah. Because the first one, people kind of forget. It. Like it's it's quite dark and violent. Absolutely. It's scary for yeah. kids. It doesn't kind of mess around with that. Like the the gremlins are threatening. Yeah. You know, and it's quite gory when they get put in blenders and the like. What do people remember? Because the other thing I remember at Gremlins was when you know the the scene where she talks about her father who was oh God. killed. God. Yeah. Yeah. Why she hates Christmas. Yeah. Whoa. Oh and it's God. really dark. And it, I mean, I, I think it was the one thing they did debate cutting it, but. Dante really wanted to keep it in there but I remember it was one of those it always made me uncomfortable when I was watching it with my younger sisters right uh, is that, uh, so it's one of those ones know. that it's so it's so visually vivid mm. it, the story that she tells you feel like you've seen it you feel like you've seen that yeah. clip of him falling down the chimney and stuff but you, then you just remember it was just her actually saying yeah, it yeah 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 but it, cause it's such a it's got that real sense of dark comedy though because it's quite a, it's a horrific story and yet, you know, it's the whole idea of the chimney and it, like, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's not. It's yeah. kind of dark, you know? dark, very yeah. dark humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so absurd, I guess, is the whole thing. Yeah. But, and yet tragic. Um, and but you, yeah. could, you could kind of imagine it happening as well. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Someone actually trying to give it a go of doing something it has nice. has happened. I've had a, it's definitely happened. It's just yeah. that line. I think it's the last line. And, and that's how I found out there was no such thing as Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> That's the punchline. It cannot be like yeah. you know, um, but no, like it really is. And the the it's manic. Like when it really kicks off and the crazy, like there's bits where they're going through the town and like there's mm. stuff going everywhere. Like yeah, uh, yeah. you know, really, I don't know what the budget was in that, but they they really did a great job. Yeah. Of it. Um, that's uh, definitely worth visiting. Yeah, definitely. Krampus owes a lot to Gremlins. Yeah, oh, 100 yeah. percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I guess the only other kind of Christmassy horror film we haven't talked about is The Children. The I know children, we don't have much yeah. time to talk about it, but Although I would really recommend The Children. I would say, well, I'd say I th- think that was a really good film. Mm. I wouldn't say it's a very Christmassy film. But like, are they not on Christmas holidays? And I they're in the snow and they're I playing the sledge? I, I don't know if it's really mentioned very much if that they're actually on Christmas holidays. They're all just, they all just meet up at the start of the film. I could be wrong, but I don't know if they actually say much about Christmas. There's definitely no Christmas trees or presents or anything like that. Okay. But they are... In it's in England and snowy, so it must be snow. winter. Yeah. Yeah. So while I think it's really good, I thought it was like a great movie. I would disturbing. Maybe, maybe dispute the fact that it's necessarily classifies as a Christmas horror film. Um where was it made? I mean, I didn't wa- I mean I saw it when it came out. Mm. I haven't watched it since and I remember really liking it. Um England. Yeah. It's English, yeah. English director okay, Tom yeah, Shankland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, because he was over. Were you at the special screen? Him and Hannah Toynton, the one of the actresses I the missed girl that. was over. I missed yeah. That. Um, but it, re- it, was, it reminded me uh, it, not to compare it to The Brood because I think The Brood's a, a classic but it was the first film I'd seen in a long time where the kids were genuinely disturbing were, yeah. and scary really and it also was the kind of horror film I like because so for anyone who hasn't seen it sorry basically they go on a little bit of a holiday together the, a couple of families together and the kids start acting a bit weird kind of implied it could be a virus or something from the woods not too yeah. gotten into but basically the kids go a bit crazy and start killing the people but 
the kids are it's very realistic that way and the parents have to fight back which involves killing kids and it's as disturbing as that should be yeah. there's no kind of fun with it there's something like they, so even when the victor is like the parent is heroic and manages to save their life there's the horror of seeing it, like a dead child. And it's not gory in that way, actually, but... It's balanced pretty well, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it, I, I know what you're saying, and um, uh, they, they, I think they, they handle that really well, yeah. They do, because it's sad. There's something very disturbing. It reminded me of Gage in Pet Sematary. Oh, like, yeah, and the kids yeah, go yeah. in with a knife and everything, and you see their faces, because they're not done up in any kind of an Americanized makeup where they look mm-hmm. like demons or they anything. They look kind of sick. They look like innocent kids, yeah, who are just a little bit sick. They kind of black bags under their eyes. And, you know, because you could just kick these kids over, and yet... You, you know, so the, yeah, there's you that resistance, but eventually you have to. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought they did a really good job. It's it's nasty, but not. It doesn't cross that line yeah, into yeah. like overly offensive. Um, but definitely, we're checking out. I think whether it's a Christmas one or not. Write in people on a postcard. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Whether it's Christmas or whatever, it's really worth watching. We got any more Christmas ones? Uh, or are we good? There's another one that I found on a list. I think it was in the bloody disgusting top five like Christmas horror movies. It's called Calvert, French film. Oh yeah, I keep uh, forgetting that's a Christmas one. I wouldn't really call it a Christmas no. film. You know what I mean? It's 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 set kind of at Christmas time. It's about this like sit lounge singer type of guy who is traveling around the place at Christmas. Um, uh, doing gigs and his van breaks down in the woods in some remote part of Belgium or France wherever it's said Calvary actually it translates as the ordeal, the ordeal so yeah. as in the ordeal that he goes through and it's like a creepy thriller he like you know ends up staying in this guy's house in the woods a bit of a misery kind of buzz to it um, and not not a great Christmas horror movie, but definitely like a yeah. Did you like creepy. it? Creepy. I thought it was. A Some creepy people movie. read like yeah, it was part it was of the French okay. New Wave, even though I know it's a Belgian film. Yeah. But like it was kind of put in there as the extreme cinema. It's a it's a really really dark odd comedy more than a yeah. horror film. What year are we talking about? Around the time of Switchblade Romance, yeah. like, okay. Then about two years, years after, okay. ten years ago maybe. But I won't spoil like where it goes. But yeah, it, if you're going in looking for a horror film, I don't think you're going to come out satisfied. If you're looking for a weird twisted tale. Maybe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like absolutely. It's no, absolutely. Mm. It's definitely more of a twisted tale, very dark, more of a thriller. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to check out. Yeah. There was a couple of ones that got away from me that I couldn't find that I'd be interested in checking out. <laughs> I love every every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love the ones that Connor Darling couldn't find. <laughs> uh, These are all going to sound amazing. I know. I know. <laughs> right. Check this out. Home for the holidays. Have you guys heard of this? Nope. No. I thought I found it, but it was actually a Robert Downey Jr. romantic comedy that I found. Uh, <laughs> very disappointed from the nineties, but this one's Home from the Holidays. I think it's nineteen seventy-two. Uh, an ailing man summons his four daughters home for Christmas and asks them to help kill his new wife, who he suspects is poisoning him. That sounds like a kill movie, doesn't it? Definitely. I want to see that movie, uh-huh. right? Couldn't find it anywhere, so if anyone can find it, let us know. Um, oh, um, All Through the House. Has anyone I've seen heard that? of that one, but I haven't seen it. It's another killer Santa movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, I may have tried to find it as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I could find it. Oh, and Silent Night, Zombie Night. Did anyone oh see that? Oh, my God. Oh, no, I'm drunk. No, but I want <laughs> it. Connor's face. No. Connor's face just lit up. Um, yeah, so a zombie Christmas movie. That's something that we definitely... Wow, where, what year is that from? This is from, like, 2009. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure it's For all our listeners, I just want to point out, every time something like this is mentioned, Conor McMahon's eyes <laughs> fall out of his head, <laughs> and he, he, he gets a wash of glee over his face like a child who's just been handed a chocolate <laughs> bar. And actually, um, here's something, something that I think we forgot to mention, a film that I watched... Uh, a Christmas Horror Story. Did anyone see that? Oh, no, actually. Um, a Christmas Horror Story. It was made last is year. Is this the... Um, I tried to find it because who's the guy who... It was, it's part of an anthology, the is film. It's the anthology? This, yeah, it's, you recommended it, Connor. You guy who did wreck? No. No, hang on. Well, there's t- basically... There was two Christmas anthologies and one of them was really bad and one of them was good. 
was it was uh, okay now i know there's one called holidays that has you one know for every holiday christmas season. horror story is the one you were talking about connor because i looked it up and i couldn't find it is does christmas did you watch it i watched christmas horror story yeah is there what's the there's a storyline with santa claus yeah and does it end with that one yes uh, and what's the idea again well, basically, Christmas Horror Story, it's an anthology horror uh, mm. film set at Christmas with all these interlinking tales of uh, Christmas. I think stories. I didn't like this. I didn't okay. like it. I didn't love it. But I like Tales of Halloween. That's what I'm mixing it up with. Yeah. I, I think that this is one of the better anthology films mm. uh, set, at the, set at the holiday season because <laughs> there's three of them. <laughs> yeah. There's three of them. But I think it's the better one because all of the stories are cut up. And so, you know, you see oh, the first yeah. part. Oh, yeah, it keeps going back to them. Okay. So I, didn't, inter- I actually didn't like that about see, it. See, I thought that that kept me wanting to see what happened in the other ones. What, Whereas the other uh, movies, I mm. kind of felt, here's a short film, then there's another short film, then there's another short film. They were just kind of... I think my problem was because I hated the... I didn't like the wraparound Santa Claus one. That whenever we'd go back to it... The, oh, I get the, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, no. Like, if the problem with that is when you don't like a story, you're going to keep having to go through it. <laughs> that is a good point. have to relive you know, it. And, and you know what? I, I kind of was on and off when I was watching that film. Like, halfway through, I was kind of going, yeah, this seems okay. And then I think I actually texted you guys while I was watching, going, actually, lads, don't bother this movie. It's kind okay. of shit. And I was like, actually, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> but well, it's like all anthologies. There's two good ones out of five yeah. or something. Like, there's know? this part, like, I mean, you know, I think you were talking earlier about like you know films breaking their own rules, but there's this there's this Krampus story going mm. on through the film, and this teenage girl who doesn't have any lines basically through the whole film. Maybe she has one or two basic lines to her family, but she's about to set Krampus on fire, and she goes, "Merry Christmas, motherfucker!" And you're like, "What the hell? Where did that come from?" Right? And then two minutes later, she starts turning into Krampus. Spoiler alert. She starts becoming Krampus and she goes to her grandmother, you've been a very naughty girl. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> well, like, when did she start spitting out these one-liners? But the thing about the Chris, the, the Santa Claus story that was in it, while not necessarily very good, it's like it's this Santa Claus uh, and there's this massacre happening in the North Pole el- uh, workshop. One of the elves goes crazy and all the elves become rabid and start attacking Santa Claus. Sounds he's, right to he's me. He's killing them <laughs> off, right? And while I wasn't necessarily crazy about that, the reveal of that at the end is the best... I think twist on the killer Santa genre we've seen in, in any of our, of our Santa movies because basically uh, spoilers. Anyone ah, fuck it, go for yeah. it. It turns out that this is actually not Santa Claus of the Mo- North Pole, but a Santa Claus in a shopping mall who is hallucinating that all of his elves <laughs> have gone crazy and he's gone on a killing spree. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so, it, and it kind of ends... It's such a weird way. thing to say you like. <laughs> oh, Killing Massacre, very good. But I thought that was really... Because Mark's eyes light up. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> killing Spree. Massacre. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've kind of ruined that that twist, you know, for the film, for people, but it's. It, I think it is worth mentioning, considering we have been quite let down with a lot of the Killer Santa yeah. ones, you know... Um, yeah. So do we th- like on the Christmas? I think that's probably our, our list of Christmas ones. Yeah. There's, a, there's a tiny bit of closing business I'd talk about after it. But like uh, on the Christmas horror thing, do we think it is possible that there are great Christmas horror films still to be made? Like, what are the major mistakes, and what are the things that people should pay attention to if they're trying to make one of these films? Um, I think there definitely is. Um, I mean, there was one I was curious because it's. I think it's out this year. I'm not sure where what happened to oh, it. Yeah. Called Red Christmas. Um. And I really like the sound of it because it, 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 it was touching on what Krampus touched on, which is the 
family breakdown and it's it's the idea that interests me is but that it's supposed that to be what Christmas, this isn't it that yeah. awful time of families being appalling to each other and trying to pretend they're having a good time exactly and it's like and the the stuff you like the like from first of november the ads on telly everything in the media it's all pumping this idea that christmas is this wonderful happy lovely time and i'm not saying it isn't but it's like it's so far from the reality for i think so many people and um so I think there's definitely something in that that you know just that idea of the of the family. Yeah, the family unit. dynamics is what you because, should be leaning on. Yeah, because yeah. it is the t- it is the time of Christmas when something is happening in a family or there's breakups or there's separated parents or all those things. They're always come to the fore at Christmas because it just it heightens everything for people because it's partly because it's supposed to be this time. You know, people yeah. are sold the idea. Yeah, it's and it's the peer idea. pressure put on people that yeah, yeah. you're supposed to be and having an amazing time. People do have these problems. Suddenly, they're locked into a room together, quite literally in Krampus. Yeah. yeah, but you know, they're snowed in. They're locked into a room together to kind of hash it out for a couple yeah. of days and see how long they can keep up their fake smiles. So yeah. there's obviously going to be there's there's room for tension in there. Yeah, conflict. and I also yeah, and I also think some of these ideas like I there's no reason why a killer snowman couldn't be a great movie. It could be a whole lot of fun you know if done right yeah, yeah. i do think a horror comedy actually we must have a chat on that in a different podcast because that is such a tricky yeah, genre yeah. and it's so rare yeah, it's gotten yeah, right but yeah. when it's right it's brilliant yeah absolutely I, some of my favorite films it is yeah, but when you look at you know when you look at the ones that are successful and the ones that just really fall flat in their face i i couldn't tell you why certain mm. ones just worked unless you want to just say great directors or whatever that because like yeah. the difference between a great one and a shit one is not usually a huge it's not yeah, even yeah, a budget yeah. thing it's not even necessarily a great script i don't know why but sometimes they, it's a very hard blend to yeah. get you know it's like just to like mention as well on christmas horrors like you know do they work do they not work like what does what i can tell you what works for me is krampus black christmas are definitely the two that stand out for me but the thing I think about them uh, that works so well is that they are almost just like Christmas films in themselves, you know, right. like, so they, they give you that Christmassy feeling when you're watching Black them. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you Black Christmas. I felt like very Christmassy watching that, but then you're just, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Like as soon as you're starting to get cozy and like, enjoy He's murdering the people from the beginning. <laughs> I, I know, Billy, but Billy. <laughs> yeah, man. It, well, that's that's what Christmas is like. In my house. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, elves gives me the Christmas. Theme, yeah. But no, I I definitely Nazi do elves. think that th- those are the things that like I, I felt the th- what what didn't work for me in the likes of your Silent Nights and your, yeah. your sleazy, creepy, weird B movie killer Santa things. They just didn't feel like Christmas. They just felt like some weird drug fueled like. Creep yeah, show. it does. It, I mean, I'm all focused. Like Black Christmas for me is perfect. Anti-Christmas programming is in like it's quite a depressing and and savage story told at Christmas time. While I think those other ones were made by people who either had their own gripes with Christmas and I just don't know what they were trying to achieve with it. Because even in Krampus mm. or you know mm. or Black Christmas, there's the story of people trying to survive and manage under difficult mm. situations. Like these other ones were simply just to be mean spirited. And I even if people aren't pro Christmas, I don't really have an issue with that. But needing to go out of your way to try and sully the yeah, kind of the nicer yeah. ideas of it just seems like an odd thing to do like i wonder is like a lot of the ones that are bad the common denominator is like the S- santa claus being in it as yeah. a ma- as a kind of creepy man or a, yeah. a kind of sleazy character because a lot of the good ones that we like don't have that at that's all that's true actually know? is is it too much of a challenge to 
our indoctrination of <laughs> Santa Claus being this like, well, they all thing seem from to, childhood, you know? Yeah, bar your, what was your one, Santa Slay or something? Like, the rest of them, though, that's actually, silly. they're, they're a random... A silly one. Though, yeah, but they're I mean? random killers dressed as Santa. Yeah. Like, Rare Exports, I know that it turned out to be an elf, but that creepy santa guy we saw, yeah. done with that kind of visual sense, I think it could be a very disturbing and creepy I mean, film. That, like, if I saw him creeping through a house, yeah. I would be terrified. Yeah, true. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, like, it, I think it could be done right if the right... Mm-hmm. But you do have to embrace the legend in the way that Rare Exports and stuff do instead yeah. of doing the just random because a random killer in a Santa suit isn't interesting yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I think Christmas films we good yeah I think I think yeah for forever if you're still listening folks speaking of our listeners actually one of our listeners uh, messaged me during the week when you heard we were doing a Christmas episode okay and he was saying you know you guys are all filmmakers right and um, allegedly w- was wondering uh, <laughs> like have you guys ever thought about making a Christmas movie? Yeah, or? I had a Christmas movie. Really? It was about this killer Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 so at what point in the movie does he get sexually abused? <laughs> but um, I could see you doing one, Connor. Yeah, it was interesting because the the I've always... I had two Christmas ideas. One, like we were saying, like um, was the classic people someone killing people and like because christmas does give you so much things like you know objects and ways to kill people you know like i think uh, the way they kill it was like you know the 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 star on the top of the tree was like a ninja star or (laughs) you know the you know somebody strangling someone with tinsel or like the you know the carrot on the snowman's nose could be like you know we're just sitting at the at, at the christmas uh dinner table every year at christmas just going what could i kill someone with in this room yeah. but it was, called, it was the it called you there. better have a funny name yeah it was called the um uh, oh give us give me two minutes and i'll remember it Okay, uh, while you're you're having to think about it, I'll what think, about you, like, Mark? yeah, it's it's a weird one because I would when I think of those ones, no, it's it's not really my style. But what I've kind of touched on earlier on, it's the whole family dynamics. Oh, I got it. Christmas, oh, like, <laughs> the, the Christmas Day carving knife massacre. <laughs> oh, I think you might have told me about that before. Actually. <laughs> yeah. It would look good on a poster. You need a big long poster. So, is this like a, a, a serial killer type thing, or is it a supernatural type of thing? It was basically it was again it was this idea about the family coming together and the parents had separated and it was like uh somebody comes up to the house and wants to get in and they're not sure if it's the dad or if it's santa claus right so it's it's kind of ambiguous for a lot of the film what happens the big problem becomes actually and krampus got around it is or just what i found because i've tried to approach writing a christmas film a few times what's really hard is to kill people in a family and I can see why people always have a friends or yes, because it's because it's too nobody, much of a tragedy. If someone it's too much does. of a tragedy, except in Krampus <laughs> when the daughter goes missing and they're like, oh Jesus, I wonder where, <laughs> I wonder where she is actually. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't come back yet. But no, see, Krampus did it right. Is that you kind of have to kill everybody? Yeah, yeah. If you keep going, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not right. like to just have like an orphan surviving at the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's a very hard thing. That's what I found about it tonally okay. to, to get right is because especially if you mix the comedy element in and then you're killing people in a family because you yeah. have to have as well. If it's a Christmas film, like I had this one idea where it was going to be like Home Alone and there'd be the kid in the family and he'd set up like, you know, the Christmas decorations under the the window and he'd have, a, you know, traps and the Santa Claus would just come straight in, smash through the thing and just like stab him. <laughs> it would be this whole 10 minute setup. And it was like in real life, 
the killer would just walk straight in. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be jumping around because uh, tinsel went into his foot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or one of those balls. <laughs> but again, it's like totally, I, that, I don't know if that would play funny. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, it's a tricky one it's to know, especially with that kind of comedy thing. Yeah, because if I was going to go for that kind of side of things, I guess what interests me in the Christmas thing is the family dynamics. It's people forced together. So for me, it would be more, say, like, I don't know, a dysfunctional family who are, say, even traveling out through the countryside or something, obviously not getting on, having a horrible time. You know, the kids don't want to be there. The dad's trying to make it a happy Christmas, you know, that they're having issues as a marriage, whatever that. And it'd be more them getting stuck in a situation, say, whether they're actually stuck out in the woods or there's a killer there trying to kill them and them having to, you know, get over their issues to bond together to actually overcome the evil on Christmas, you know, and yeah. you know, that for me is always the interesting, because like what I loved about Last House on the Left and... Just the question there, when does the elf come into the story? <laughs> <laughs> or are the whole family elves? I, I think you mean Nazi elves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like what I love, and it's weird to say I love Last House on the Left because I don't love it as if I find it very troubling, but what I like in horror films is when they postulate that as a good word <laughs> what does it mean by the way <laughs> <laughs> um, when they propose the notion that um people who consider themselves very normal and very calm uh actually that underneath all of us when pushed to extreme limits there's extreme savagery we're all capable of doing like when we look at killers and we judge them saying how could they do that i'd yeah, never do that yeah. but when put under incredibly stressful situations we're all oh, in- yeah. incapable of barbaric mm. kind of actions and that's what interests me is where i think under extreme stressful thing which is what horror films tend to be is they can reveal the true true natures of people but they can also bond people because you kind of forget yeah. about all the other nonsense like in our modern world what we care about so much is our new ipads our phones who's got this how much money and when you have a tragedy people come together because they actually realize that none of that shit matters yeah. Yeah. so for me that would be the kind of interesting message yeah, yeah. to go on it like you know yeah. um, and maybe even like have them you know, cook the killer at the end, like turkey <laughs> dinner. <laughs> share, it, share it in the woods to survive from dying from hypothermia. Who wants to get the wishbone? <laughs> but, you know, I, like, I think that's the interesting side for me. But, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, for me, I've kind of always been drawn to the Christmas horror movies and I've always wanted to make one. I've always mm. wanted to write one. But I, not the, the idea hasn't really presented itself to me. You know what I mean? I haven't really thought of it. I, but I think the type of Christmas film that I would like to make, like I even said earlier, it would be like the type of Krampus one. That's this kind of like thrill ride. It's almost kind of cartoony where you have these like uh, things coming to life mm-hmm. that are the Christmas things, the, the Christmas toys, the gingerbread, like that kind of just fun, like all out mm-hmm. carnage uh, type of Christmas movie. That'd be the, the type of thing I'd be into making. They, they seem to be the ones that if you can get them right, like there's because like if you, yeah. it's something you could kind of share with kids and everything, Absolutely. that can be the it nice is, thing. It's, like it the is fun for all the family. Yeah, like. yeah that yeah. balance if you can get it, there's a potential for a classic kind of territory. Uh, Absolutely, me and Connor are more likely to be making films <laughs> that you know all people will watch. There's <laughs> 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 only anyone's going to sit and want to gather like and watch a family falling apart and drama like I would. <laughs> but then uh, I suppose there would be the the fun of making something like Elves, where it's just like <laughs> madness. Like yeah, see, I would look like I love watching those. I don't think I could sit because like someone wrote that right and thought. Yep, I know. nailed it. I cu- I couldn't. I, I I couldn't write that dialogue. Though I love hearing someone else deliver it. Like yeah, someone yeah. wrote that, convinced someone to put money into it, convinced yeah. actors to perform it, hey. filmed it, edited <laughs> it, and sold it to the market. Lads, <laughs> and this goes for everyone listening at home, lads. If they can do that, then there's nothing stopping us. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, and all you hear from producers, well, the market's very different. But that is true because it, people like you know you could just kind of throw a film together back then. Like so many of those B movies used to just pop up, and yeah, yeah. like the the video store would be full of these titles that you just like where did this even come from you yeah, know? yeah and 
again to kind of touch on the, the the marketing and the posters of these films and even the titles oh elves oh that looks very cool it's like well actually there's no there's only one elf in it <laughs> I uh, still my favourite detail about it yeah, yeah. elves with one elf but see I don't know because like nowadays the Christmas horror films and a lot of horror films for that smaller niche market are just aimed at slapstick gore and comedy mm. uh, they're, they're aimed at you know very cheesy crap well back then I don't think elves like it's hilarious but I don't know that it was aimed for laughs like I think there was a sense of humor in it somewhere a dark sense but it's not played as a funny film yeah. you used to be able to just make films out of left field you can't really do that anymore mm. you have to be able to say no this is complete slapstick yes. nonsense it has yeah, to be self-aware yeah that's a bit yeah. sad because actually you kind of miss out on the interesting kind mm. of again Silent Night, the ones Night that are it's, earnest. it's an odd film that you can't really kind of go who's that for but that's yeah, what makes yeah. it interesting because it's not something you've always seen yes you know before we wrap up, actually, I just wanted to talk about one film I saw this week that I don't know if you guys have. This is not Christmas-related, but mm. I like at the end of the week we talk about things we've yeah, seen. Yeah, we've seen a lot of yeah. Christmas ones. Yeah, yeah. But have you guys seen The Most Dangerous Game or A Most Ga- Dangerous Game? No, no. Um, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, this is a kind of a black-and-white film. I don't Maybe the 40s, maybe the 30s. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, you got to see this film. This So this is the okay. first film uh, that was... Basically, a, a yacht kind of crashes uh, onto land. They find there's this castle on the thing. Zoroff or something, Count Zoroff runs it. And it turns out he's a prize hunter who uh, has hunted every animal on Earth. And they realize they've been lured there. And that's what he does is he hunts people. And he sets them off. And he basically says, if you can survive till dawn, I'll let you go. But no one's ever survived till then. And uh, okay, right. like it's it's dark. You go down to his lair. And because like, he gives you a lovely drink and everything and takes care of you before that. And they don't know what the situation mm. is. But the... Uh, yeah, you know, and obviously it's a black and white film. This is not a gory film. It's not mm. like there's, there's a few kind of creepy. There's a head floating in a jar in the basement, yeah, yeah. which is quite creepy. But like, uh, love a good head. You in know, a jar. It, it's it is a film of its time, so you're not going to be terrified that way. But it is interesting. It is the first of these. Like without this, there's no battle royale, no Hunger Games. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it was based on a story now, so the novel did exist before that. But you got to see it for those reasons, just because it, it's interesting historically. But then also when they escape and they're on their run they're running through this incredible jungle backdrops and you're kind of going, that's amazing. That looks really familiar. Mm -hmm. And then you realize they shot it at night on the sets from King Kong, the original. No way. The same actresses and actors from King Kong directed by the same directors of King Kong. Wow. So it's bizarre. They shot it like Fay Ray. I can't remember what the guy's name is, but even like the bit that I completely clicked and made me look it up was, um, you know, the famous log that King Kong kind of walks across. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they run across that and you're like, I know that shot because you'd mm-hmm. never forget it. But yeah, it's all the same backdrops. They just, it was making, oh. uh, using the best resources there because they put a lot of effort into those ones. So it's, it's these stunning giant waterfalls in, in the background while they're running around and everything like that. Wow. But it was just a really interesting mm-hmm. kind of, you know, odd thing that I just kind of blew my mind so definitely worth checking out if you can find it most dangerous game I saw interestingly another black and white old film um, called The Seventh Victim oh no never heard very good it's kind of in the vein of I don't know if people have seen Night of the Demon or that kind of thing I I really like yeah Night of the Demon and Cat People it would be in that vein so it's it's well worth a watch Uh, the basic setup is this girl she's at school and she's um, she's called into the office and she's told that normally her sister has been paying her tuition fees, but for the last six months they haven't been paid and her sister's disappeared basically. So this girl decides to go to New York to look for her sister and she's kind of tracking her down, you know, by different people, the last person to have seen her. And she, she tracks her to this hotel room and the people say that, that she was in here a while ago, but she's paying for a room upstairs 
they've never they've, they've never opened they've been told not to open the door and um and she pays the 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 money goes in every every week or whatever and so she goes we have to you know break the door down and they're going no we can't you know she that's specifically told us not to but then your man's like going i really want to know what's behind that door like you know the the husband of the the woman who runs the hotel and they so anyway they open the door and there's a chair and a noose hanging from the hanging from the ceiling and it's really creepy it, it basically transpires she she the the girl she's looking for wants to be able to kill herself at any moment as a sort of a she's just there ready there's something like it's like um it's how she kind of overcomes the idea of death that she can die at any moment okay. but it's a really creepy it, it it becomes a kind of a, a cult satanic cult type film sounds great but it's really worth a watch it's one of those ones i mean the seventh victim yeah i mean i listened to the shockwaves podcast and I, it comes I up a lot podcast, between them yeah. and they and they kept talking about it and so i was like i, sh- I should really check that film out and uh, one other one I saw was The Wailing. Has anyone seen this? Oh, no, I'm looking forward I to this. This is the Korean one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Korean? I've heard it's, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, yeah. Kind of an exorcist, I think, but like in their Korean type way with drama and... Yeah, what's amazing about it? Well, maybe we'll talk about it the next time yeah. then. Yeah, no, we we'll try watch and, it. Yeah, because I'd love to watch it because it's supposed to be yeah. out in the cinemas here. I think it's getting a release or so okay. it was in England, so I have to look out to see if it is. Yeah, might, yeah. The IFI might have it because, yeah, I'd love to see it before we... Yeah, yeah. I watched... It was a recommendation from one of her other shows that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It was uh, The Entity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Barbara Hershey, about a woman who is uh, being sexually abused by, like, an unseen entity in her home. And it's it's pretty shocking, like, you know what I mean? It's uh, it, it's kind of, you know, graphic images, and it's not for everybody, like, you know what I mean? But I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in it's, years. It's definitely a powerful film. It's it's really well made, and it's really, I don't know, it's just it's just a really good film, and then it's it's like a really good horror movie as well. But it's actually on, I've mentioned a few times, that list of Martin Scorsese's top 11 mm. scariest movies of all time. It's on that. So I think I've nearly seen the whole list now. There's just one movie called The Uninvited that I haven't seen from, like, 1940. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got some really good moments. Cool. Um, One question on The Entity. Did you find the music jarring? That or well, well, the music or is it good? The music was like that big crazy noise <laughs> every time. Yeah, every time that the entity appears, basically this big crazy like sound of like trash cans banging yeah, yeah. basically comes in, and it's it's crazy. It's like you almost couldn't even call it music. It's yeah, just such yeah. a weird noise, and it, that's like the only music in the film, isn't it? I can't remember. I, th- I think so, but, but I found it slightly distracting. I wasn't sure, but I I felt I felt that it did a great job in kind of anchoring mm-hmm. that. Uh, okay, you're in a dangerous situation. As soon mm. as that comes on, you know you're in a bad yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. And it had some really great jump scares as well. Like there's this thing where she just sits down on the couch and the windows blow out behind yeah, her. Oh my God. Oh, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that was yeah. brilliant. It was so good. Like it was just really good, like practical. Yeah, uh, what I liked about the entity is often the ghosts in films, they're, they're, you don't get a sense they're that violent or evil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yes. they move a, They're more a mischievous door like. or yeah. like if you take the ghost, I mean, I really like paranormal activity, True. but you don't get a sense that that ghost is nasty. But in that film, you really They're do. They're out like, to get yeah. that, that girl particularly and no one else. Yeah, and, yeah. and in a really, really harsh way. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like proper sexual abuse. Like, so it's, it's like I said, it's not for everyone. You know what they I mean? They had to make a fake boob. That was that really unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can see the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird that you're you're dead right, Connor. On the whole, like the ghosts are usually kind of uh, maybe not as purely evil, and mm. uh, like it, I, th- that can be an interesting thing as well because it's quite often they're portrayed 
as you know just troubled people or whatever they've had a bad time um but it, it's a problem we've kind of run into where people don't seem to want to have like a, a genuinely pure evil mm-hmm. bad guy in films yeah. like you were saying even with the michael myers and the, the rob zombie remake of halloween like it's this need to justify and explain them and i i kind of i get why people are going that way but there is something easy like i don't really believe in the the nature of pure evil in the world or anything like that like i, I think that's a bit, a bit of nonsense uh, along with the belief in pure good but like i think in a film it's a great and interesting thing to actually have a look at like the pure good versus pure evil that's why the exorcist works mm. and i think it's a problem we like say the bigger filmmakers now you got tim burton we got guillermo del toro um and a couple of other guys along the way where they, and I suppose like me as well, they all love and associate so much with the creatures, like we all love Frankenstein yeah. and, and the vampires or even any of the creatures, that we are almost romanticizing them to the point where we, we just want to love and care for them. And the films are no longer scary, like they're wonderful kind yeah. of fairy tales and yeah, fantasies, yeah. but like Del Toro loves his creatures so much that he's almost always kind of apologizing for them and, and the people are really always the bad guys yeah, in yeah. his films. You know, and that's interesting. Yeah, it's like if these stupid people didn't come along <laughs> then there'd be nothing to be worried about yeah like. you know and that there is something about like like an entity that is actually there it's not to imply that all spirits have to be evil but this but particular just, entity yeah, is that there this are merciless evil like, ones that are out together. there with yeah. bad He's intentions targeted this girl like in like. the exorcist there's no implication that Pazuzu's just misunderstood <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. it is an evil that's what its force is yeah. and, and it needs to be conquered and kept in its place and yeah. I, I think there's something interesting about that yeah you know, I do think it's a problem. Yeah. I think in the entity as well, it does kind of put forward like a strong um, defense that maybe this is like psychosomatic with this girl. Like, you know, maybe she's experiencing these things um, because of some, you know, abuse previously in her life. But then it kind of like unequivocally says, no, no, no it's actually a ghost. Yeah, it's yeah. actually definitely a ghost, and there's no question of it. Like, you know, it is interesting. That is the film where they recreate a sort of a set of the house. Yeah, and they do this like the scientific end, and they, they type try to freeze the yeah, ghost, yeah, and then yeah. the, the house. Yeah, it's, it's I'm really gonna have to give that a watch again. Actually, yeah, yeah it's, it is definitely watch. worth a watch again. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Actually, I don't know. One other thing I watched based on our podcast recommendations again was something evil. The one, the Spielberg one you're talking oh, about yeah. that isn't Jewel. Oh, yeah. Um, and I agree with you. It's 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 nowhere near as good as Jewel. Um, so basically, this is another TV movie that Spielberg did before he made Jaws. Um, basically, it starts off with a guy who who goes into a barn and jumps off and kills himself. And this new family move in, as most ghost stories yeah. kind of do. And there's something evil, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, story doesn't really make a whole lick of sense. And the kind of reveal at the end, even though it's kind of interesting, uh, there's nothing that sets it up. But what you do see is you like. I guess because this is a weaker film than Jewel, it was even more obvious to me, is, yeah, it's the how he stages the scenes. And I think that's yeah. also down to the cinematographers. I can't remember. It's one of the guys, he didn't go on to do all the Spielberg stuff, but he did do a ton of other great films. Um, incredible bits where, this is a small TV movie, and there's one scene in the house where they just kind of have a housewarming or there's a party or oh, something. Oh, yeah, it's all the little cuts. Yeah, the it, it's, this, it's it, like they start in the kitchen and someone chatting and the camera like just moves out. But as it moves through the house, we get glimpses of each conversation yeah. and how people are going, but it's so beautifully done that I would I would always think of doing them as in four different shots. Yeah, yeah. And it's that simplicity, but it doesn't look, it's not a showy move. It's a very casual kind of move, but it like it tells a whole story with it. And wow. you're thinking, this is a guy doing a TV movie. He's only done one or two things before. And it's that kind of scope. And I think maybe we're guilty of nowadays of not being that creative yeah. with our shot choices because we do rely on editing because I, I come from an editing background so that's kind of I always think of a cut <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. but actually that and that's what Black Christmas did great as well where they were long takes uh, but, and not even like overly long but just not feeling the need to have to cut in or to change things just stage it properly and Bob Clark talked about that again on the commentary that he, it would take longer but 
then you don't have all the coverage. So you save time as well. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, because Connor, that short you did for the Lear before, I can't remember what it was called. Dumped. Dumped. Yeah, like a black and white kind of short. But yeah. if you check it online, guys, actually, really worth seeing. You'll find it on the Lear website. But that was another, it was an all-in-one shot mm. type thing. But there's a real fascinating challenge in that of actually learning to tell a coherent story. And it's the lack of editing that makes the flow. Like, you actually set the pace in a beautiful way yeah, I think what you get as well is, and it's what I remember from Black Black, Black Christmas um, and not from the remake, is it gives you a real sense of being in the house at that time. Yeah. And you can start to play with stuff like, I mean, just very simply, like the sounds. And yes. the, you know, and you get a sense as the camera moves through a house or something that it's moving away from particular rooms or it's moving towards the people. And, you and know, it's moving it's, in real time as well. Yeah, you get this, that. yeah, you get that sense of being there yeah. that you, you don't often get when it's cutting. It know. is actually, it's the use of the wide angle, because like, that's my big fascination I'm trying to figure out at the moment is why are some things so much scarier and everything. But you're right, it, it's not cutting away. And instead of having to like, you know, she looks at the window, we see the window, there's no one there. Or like, you know, opening doors and closing them, is someone going to appear behind them? These shots get creepy simply by that wide angle shot that just holds on someone. Yeah. as they move through the thing. And like we know in a wide angle shot, there's no one's going to pop out of nowhere. Yeah, there's yeah, no way yeah. they could get that close to her. <laughs> and yet we have this fear. We feel vulnerable with yeah. it. Like it's a really, really interesting. And you're right, sound <coughs> becomes a much bigger thing. And it also though, I think it's because it engages our brains because without the edit, yeah. without telling us what we're looking at, we start looking around. And we have that because we're now checking out things. I mean, it's why paranormal activity works so well, I think, because you were looking yeah. at this screen. You are, yeah. yeah. You're yeah, looking yeah. at this whole shot and you're just thinking, where is it going to come from? And it doesn't give you that kind of handhelding of like yeah. focus on over here or anything like that. So yeah, it, it's definitely something I think we need to work on or I definitely need to as a filmmaker. Absolutely, yeah. And on that note, and on that Mark note. needs to work on as a filmmaker. <laughs> I've got my homework. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we came here today, Mark. This whole podcast has been a ruse just to get to that. This is all a therapy session. I don't even you think these cameras are recording. <laughs> <laughs> right, kind of wrap it up there. Well... Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely, folks. And, uh, you know, big shout out to Film Base and Film Ireland for having us uh, host the podcast. Yeah, here. absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, we're all, we're all going to go off and have a nice, lovely Christmas with it, hopefully without any murder or uh, sleazy Santas. And hopefully Ali will get better and join yeah, us again get, for the Get better soon, Ali. We miss you. Yeah, and everyone, yeah, enjoy your Christmas. And hopefully, whether you choose to watch any of these films or not, you at least found it enjoyable listening yeah. to us shine on about it. If you don't watch it, if you, if you watch one film, at least watch Elf. Here, here. <laughs> or Elves. Merry Sorry. Christmas, folks. Yeah, I know what you did, Billy! Stupid Billy!